0: got the time!
1: Podcast, Patreon episode 28, previews in a half shell. I'm your host, Ryan, and welcome back, everyone. Yeah, it's actually not been that long since I've done a Patreon episode for once. I know episode two, uh, once or twice ago, uh, I said, oh, it hasn't been that long, and it actually hadn't been that long since I recorded that, but then it was like uh, a month or more since I for me to actually put that episode out, and then I recorded something at the end, another episode at the end of that, that was more recent. Uh, but then the last one I just recorded that you would have just heard episode 27 really wasn't that long ago that I, uh, recorded that one. So, um, just been feeling like doing more. And I, and as I mentioned before, I wanted to get caught up on these previews. Um, I'm still woefully behind, uh, what I'll be covering today is previews for anything. Uh, it was the July previews for things that were coming out in uh, September. And I'm covering the DC previews that came out in June for stuff coming out in August. So I'm actually going to cover two different DC catalogs here with you guys so that I can get DC and Marvel and regular previews all lined up together. Um, So All of this happened after the pandemic shut down. So basically, DC came out with a previews. Essentially, before previews came out with their own previews again, uh, they did that that catch-up one that I talked about. uh, And I probably should have covered this DC one at that time, but I didn't. Uh, I I didn't really look to see where they lined up and everything else. But what DC did is they they went off on their own, if you weren't aware. Uh, They were no longer going through Diamond catalog they, they severed ties with them their contract was up with them they decided to look elsewhere and they found two different distributors uh, depending on what part of the country you lived on and everything and worked out uh, deals and everything else with them which ultimately I think is a good thing uh, at least gives Diamond some competition uh, I know it was difficult for comic shop owners especially international comic shop owners because there wasn't a lot of things in place for international so I do feel bad for those of you that had to like work through that, but hopefully that all got resolved. I don't know um, any international listeners out there. Let me know, like, did things finally work out for with DC being able to get comics to you guys and everything? Uh, I'm very curious. Um, I will say that uh, my local comic shop they said, yeah, it's going to be a little bit tougher, but we're we're going to be just fine. Like, we'll figure it out. We always do. Um, so I know there was a lot of comic shops that said. We're just not going to carry DC anymore. And that's it. And it's because it was going to make it more difficult. Well, as far as I'm concerned, you're going to hurt yourself because you're going to stab, you know, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot, basically. I was going to say stabbing yourself in the foot. (laughs) You're basically shooting yourself in the foot because um, if you're not going to carry DC titles, you might actually lose some customers because DC is one of the big two. Uh, I know Marvel outsells them right now overall. But DC's made some great strides in that, and there are people that are just pure DC fans. I'm not a pure DC fan, but I definitely lean towards DC a little bit more than Marvel. I love both um, companies, probably pretty equally, but like it's one of those like guns in my head. I'd probably pick, I would be picking DC. Should say probably I would be picking DC. I mean, he's got my two top favorite characters of Green Lantern and Flash, so they are my favorite characters in all of comics. Uh, above anything, so um, so that's mostly why I would say I'm a DC person. But it's like and you got Batman and Superman, Wonder Woman, and all that too. Um, so, but I absolutely love Marvel with you know, Spider-Man, the Avengers, uh, Fantastic Four, all, you know, Hulk, all of that. So, um, so it was an interesting move by DC, and what DC decided to do was. Uh, since they were making this move is they decided to also move their previews to be uh, 100% digital and they call it D- uh, DC Connect and the cool thing about it is I was afraid that it was going to be an extra cost because uh, previews already cost some money, not a lot but it does cost money and you used to get the DC catalog with the Marvel catalog when you got the previews catalog and then uh, with DC doing this, it was like, okay, are they gonna now charge you for their catalog? Well, it's a, it's all digital. It's online. If you Google DC Connect, you'll find it. Uh, it's actually very easy to find when you type in DC Connect. And the catalog's there, and it's free. Uh, and they keep all past ones, which I actually like also, which allows me to do stuff like this, which is cover past catalogs. And that's because they do put some, they, seems like they're going to try to put some additional material and I didn't really notice it too much in these ones yet, but it seems like there might be some interviews coming up and things like that, that they're going to put in there. Um, kind of like what they used to do with, uh, I think there used to be another thing that was called DC connect. I have some of the catalogs, really, but there were like interviews with the creators and stuff like that. They would do like spotlights and everything. So it seems like they're trying to do that and you can definitely do that with the digital format. Um, and you can probably even go back and add stuff to past ones to make it worth going back and looking at past ones. Um, But it's also kind of cool because you get, you do get to see the artwork like digitally. So you can really like zoom in if you want to, Um, which is what I basically did. And um, the only thing that's a downfall is like, I'm looking at it on my computer screen. So I do have my laptop here. I am using the portable uh, TaskCam recorder just because it, I felt like it would be cumbersome having the, re- the microphone and recorder on my laptop going while I'm also recording the, uh, looking at DC Connect, and then I wouldn't be able to see the recording um, just to make sure I'm still recording, where with this I can look over and see that I'm still recording and everything looks fine. Um, of course, there's always a risk of that too. But uh, with that being said, when I click on it on my laptop, because my laptop's not a small screen, but it's it's like a standard size screen. It comes up at a hundred percent, you know, visual, and it the wording at least for me is a little bit small and everything else. But the great thing is you can zoom in. So I zoom into it two hundred percent instead of a hundred percent, and I can read everything fine and see everything fine. Granted, I'm getting old too. Uh, I do have uh, reader glasses on while I'm reading this, but that didn't help even at the 100%. 100% was good for, like, seeing the title and seeing some of the artwork, Uh, but I needed to go to 200% to feel like if I'm going to read anything about each one. So you're going to hear me do some clicking and everything else to go to pages to increase uh, the size to 200 um, and things like that. The other thing is I can't bookmark... um, I mean, maybe there's a way I haven't looked into it that much, but I, I, am not able to bookmark like what I want to talk to you about. So I'm basically just going through the catalog, which is fine because I can kind of talk about so- something and be clicking ahead and get to something else that catches my eye to talk about. Um, whereas with, The other catalogs, I literally take strips of paper and like shove them in their like little bookmarks and be like, okay, this is the thing I want to talk about. This is the next thing I want to talk about. That's kind of how I do it. It's actually kind of fun because I'll watch like a TV show or something like that and just be flipping through the catalog. Oh, this looks interesting. Stick something in there. And then sometimes I either read what it is then to know what it's about, or I'll go back and read it later. Or sometimes I read it, I go, oh, this was interesting. Let me see what the heck caught my eye about this like uh, i may not have actually read what it was about until i do these episodes so um there's a lot of different things that happen when it comes to that so um so yes i have all these catalogs i i have um still a lot to get caught up on the nice thing is once i'm done with this episode the next previews is stuff that's coming out in october so i'll actually be covering stuff that, um, is coming out instead of stuff that has already come out. Um, and I will, and then I'll be able to actually be covering stuff that will be coming out, which is exactly what previews is supposed to do. So, so yeah, like I said, this episode, I will cover two DC catalogs, one Marvel and one, um, uh, the, the regular previews catalog. Um, don't know how much I'm going to cover tonight. It's already 10 to midnight, but we'll see hoping to at least get through the dc catalog i've been doing a lot of reading so i'm kind of getting caught up on some things here and there so you hear me talk about some things that i've actually read um, as well as things you know just just like normal so uh but yeah it's it'll be interesting with this dc connect catalog like i said i really liked looking through it myself uh, but using it for a tool during these episodes could prove interesting uh but like i said i I do really like it i love the fact that i can zoom in because you can really see the art it looks really cool like sometimes you if you zoom in you can even see it better and crisper than you do when it's printed out on actual paper so it's kind of cool that is one of the things i really like with digital is that you can really like zoom in really get to see stuff um where on paper you kind of have to like almost get a magnifying glass if you want to really zoom in on stuff or pull it up close to your face and I don't know. Digital has its advantages. Obviously, also, digital doesn't take up any room. Um, That does not mean I'm going to be a digital comic collector. I have thought about it many times. I've thought, oh, I can just go to do Marvel Unlimited, and DC is going to be having their one. Um, But I just, I like owning the issues. I like having the issues. Um, So we'll see. Uh, I know from a cost perspective, doing Marvel Unlimited and doing the DC one, like whatever their unlimited it's going to be that comes out next year. Like it's very cost effective, but you're also behind constantly. You're like, you're not reading anything that just came out. You're co- reading stuff that came out like six months ago. For some people that's perfectly fine. For me, it could be fine, but I do like trying to stay on top of things and what's going on. Uh, and that doesn't really let me do that. Uh, I'm always going to be behind then. So, so I don't know. We'll, We'll kind of play it by ear and see what happens. Uh, I will say that if print starts going away, which sometimes feels like it's going to happen, then I'll go to all digital. That's fine. Then I don't mind being six months behind because, I don't know, it kind of would feel like I've lost something at that point. It's like, okay, if you're not going to be doing floppies anymore, then I don't really care if I'm six months behind because it's it's just not the same thing anymore. I, I don't know, uh, but anyways, enough rambling. But basically, that's what has happened as to how we have the DC Connect digital previews. It looks just like the old previews that DC did. Um, it's just digital. Um, so I like I said, I really do like it. I love the fact that it's free. I love the fact that I can zoom in um, and they can and that they can put pretty much as much content out there as they want for each of their things. So so this is uh, DC Connect uh, issue one. It is 84 pages, um, and we'll just kind of go from there. So the first thing that, that was the big thing with this issue was Batman 3 Jokers, number one. And this was a huge hit with, you know, as far as, like, comic shops anticipating it, people really looking forward to it. I was really looking forward to it. It's written by Jeff Johns. It's got art by Jason Favok. Jason Fabach has become one of my all-time favorite modern-day artists. Like, If Jason Fabach is drawing something, I want to read it. I want to see it because it is going to be beautiful. Jeff Johns, you guys know, is one of my favorite writers. He doesn't write comics very often anymore, which is a shame. But um, he's the reason I picked up Shazam uh, as a title because it was one of the few titles that he was writing uh, I got this Batman 3 Jokers number one and I loved the issue I, I shouldn't have been surprised by that but I absolutely did love the issue um, I got a couple of different covers that go with it um, but it's basically that during uh, Dark Side War at the end of Dark Side War Batman sat in the Mobius chair and he asked who the Joker was, who, who really was a Joker. And then he was like, no, that can't be or something. like. So we never knew what he saw or what he said. And then I think it was DC Rebirth, number one, that we actually got a glimpse that he saw or found out that there was three Jokers and not just one. So it's almost like there's a multiverse of Jokers. And with this, there's like the three Jokers. There was like the clown... Uh, the Prince of Crime and then um, I can't remember what the third one was but basically there's there's three different types. You, you have the, the Clown, the Prince of Crime, and I wish I could remember who the third one was but um, it might be the Sociopath or the Maniac or something like that. But uh, different styles for each one and they each do this cr- uh, crime in this first issue that uh, designates who they are. Uh, and Batman really wants to find out what is going on, and he he investigates each one of these crimes, and so it kind of just sets things up. It is a three-issue miniseries. Uh, it's black label, which means they don't have to hold back. Um, there wasn't anything really black label that I can remember in the issue. I don't remember there being swearing. I, there wasn't any nudity or anything like that. Um, the crime scenes weren't anything overly horrific. Um, Like nothing you wouldn't see in another title. Um, Because I mean, they show blood and stuff like that in other titles, so. Um, I can't remember anything that specifically made this black label, but they did make it black label. And I will say, everything I've read that's black label so far, and I have not read all of it, but everything I've read that's black label, I really enjoy. So, um, this was no exception. Uh, I really, really enjoyed this issue. Uh, Looking forward to the next one. Like I said, the art was absolutely beautiful. Um, So, yeah, really looking forward to that. Uh, We also have Deceased Dead Planet number two. Uh, It's the sequel to uh, DC Deceased, uh, which I read the miniseries of Deceased really good. I've been still getting the Deceased titles. Um, I've heard they're really good. I just haven't finished reading them yet. Um, but they you know, they it's Tom Taylor writing and he again, kinda like Jason Faybach, Tom Taylor's become one of those writers where I'm like, if he's writing it, I'm gonna read it because he's just that good. Like everything I've read of his has been fantastic. And if you remember right, Tom Taylor, the first time I even paid attention to his name was he did the Boba Fett miniseries. So he did Boba Fett, the Boba Fett miniseries, and then he did Boba Fett is dead. Uh, Mini series and both were really good. Uh, they had beautiful artwork in them and everything, but the, the story was really good. So, um, yeah, he made deceased awesome. So um, then we have Death Metal's going on right now. I have not read Death Metal yet. I've heard it's really good. It's a sequel to uh, Dark, the Dark Knight Metal um, that they did before which that event was really good the only issue that was weird and didn't care i didn't care for was the hawkman issue when they did that uh it was just this bizarre issue and i was it, it read very weird um i can't remember who wrote that one but i wouldn't be surprised if it was grant morrison because it felt very grant morrison-y um not saying it was him but they said that that issue was very just bizarre but everything else with Dark Knight Metal was awesome, so they did this Death Metal, I was like, oh, boy, they're doing a sequel. Um, Is it really going to be any good? Because it's just, I don't know, like, oh, that that was success. Let's sell another one, and that's what it just always feels like. But from what I've heard about this one is that it is actually really good, and I'm close to being able to read it. Um, I know I probably don't have to read them, but I'm getting caught up on the Justice League title. And then I'm also getting, uh, reading, oh, it was a miniseries where Lex Luthor and Perpetua go against, um, the, uh, Batman Who Laughs, um, I can't remember the name of the miniseries, but basically I'm, I've read the first issue of that miniseries, um, and that, the first issue is really good, but like all of that ends and then the Justice League battle against the Batman who laughs and Perpetua and everything else, that ends, and then that all is supposed to lead into this death battle, which is supposed to, from what I've heard, is supposed to wrap up everything that has to do with past crises. So you had Crisis Infinite Earths, um, you had Infinite Crisis, you had Final Crisis, you had Zero Hour, like all these things are supposed to to wrap up in this whole death battle. So there is actually, without them calling it a crisis, it actually has crisis elements to it. And I, I think that's kind of cool. Um, so they, they've they had, especially with it having some success, they've had some spin-off titles. There's Dark Knight's Death Metal Legends of, of the Dark Knights. And from what I understand with that one, they're introducing a bunch of other Batmans from the Dark Multiverse. Um which is interesting. Like I actually thought that the Legends of the Dark Knight was going to be like some type of profile thing or something like that, um, and it wasn't. It's it's a bunch of other mini stories. I especially thought that Dark Knight's Death Metal Guidebook was going to be like profile book. It was going to be like okay, here's this character and that character. Like it was going to be a resource book. That's not either. That is actually another one that's showing a bunch of mini uh, little stories and stuff like that. Uh, so it's like an anthology book, but very interested in reading that. Hoping the next time I record this, I'll actually be either in the middle or done with Death Metal, so I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, And jumping ahead, they're doing some some teen tween type things with Beast Boy, and then they're doing a Swamp Thing one, where it's like a younger Swamp Thing. I don't know. Not all that interested in them. Uh, But then we have uh, Earth uh, Green Lantern Earth One Volume Two, which I have—I'm I, sorry to say—I've not read Volume One. I have it; I just haven't read it. Um, but it's—it's it's a different take on Hal Jordan, the Green Lantern core. It's—it's not so much a different take like um, Stan Lee's was, you know, Stan Lee creating Green Lantern, and it wasn't like the tangent universe. Even though I really like what they did with Green Lantern in the tangent universe. Um, but they, this uh, this is just like, um, it's it's still, you know, space cop type thing, but it's it's just done differently. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe. But I've loved uh, the Earth-1 stories because I've read the Batman one and I've read the Superman one. I think I read the first Wonder Woman one. Uh, I haven't read the Teen Titans one. I do have it. Uh, so I have all the Earth-1 stories. I just haven't read all of them. Uh, but I'm looking forward to, to reading them, uh, especially the Green Lantern one. So, then we have Batman uh, number 96. This is, uh, Joker War. And I believe this might be the start of Joker War or at least, or maybe part two of Joker War. Um, I am reading Joker War right now. I'm actually in the middle of it. Uh, so I'm actually not that far behind on this one. And the only reason I'm even, would even consider myself a little bit behind is because I'm getting all the tie-ins to it. So Joker War, Joker. I've mentioned many times is my favorite villain um, of everything. Uh, like any any villain. Like Green Lantern's my favorite comic book hero. Um, you know, my favorite hero of all things is probably Yoda. Um, my favorite villain of all things is uh, is Joker. So take movies and everything joker is my favorite villain um so reading something's called joker war it's like i'm all in and it's written by james tinian who the fourth who is like another modern day awesome writer i've read a lot of stuff by james tinian he is an excellent writer he took over after tom king uh finished his batman run and with i think it was 80 issue 86 is what when Tinian took over, and I've been reading it, and there's not been a bad issue yet. Um I have really enjoyed what Tinian's doing, and um Joker War is no exception. Joker War's been fantastic. I think I've read up through part three of Joker War, which like I said, I think ninety-six is part one, which is what's solicited here. And then um they also show issue ninety-seven. Uh so I've read issue 96, I've read issue 97, I, I think I've read issue 98, um, and so I just have issue 90, 99 to go, but I also have like Batgirl that I'm reading, Nightwing that I'm reading, Red Hood and the Outlaws have had an issue, which I read that one. That was really, really well done. Uh, the Nightwing ones have been really good. I've read two of those issues so far. Uh, the Batgirl ones have actually been really good um, and really liked those. And there's a Catwoman tie-in that I have there's uh, detective comics has been really good. So detective comics I've only read I should say I've only read one issue of detective comics tied into Joker War. So I've been reading detective comics all along but I've read one issue of it that's tied into Joker War and that issue was really good like it was a direct tie in to Joker War like if you're reading Joker War and you wanted to know what happened to get Batman to this point at, in Joker War. Detective Comics told you how he got to that point. So, like, this happened in Joker War, and then it was like there was a jump, a little bit of a jump in time that you didn't need to know what happened there. You just know something happened. But Detective Comics fills in what happened there. So um, I would say that if you're reading Joker War, uh, at least with the one issue that I read of Detective Comics that was a tie-in, it's worth getting Detective Comics also. Um, I think it's worth getting all of them because I really have been enjoying the tie-ins. It's not often I say that. Um, a lot of times there's ones where I'm just like, this does nothing for me. It does nothing to move the story forward at all. However, I would say Batgirl, it's moved the story forward, at least in from Batgirl's perspective. Um, and it plays into some of the stuff going on. Uh, Nightwing it, is dealing with uh, Punchline, and Punchline's in the main... Joker War and, and Harley Quinn's in there and stuff like that. There is a Harley Quinn issue that's like the last issue of Harley Quinn that there's a Joker War tie-in to it. I have a feeling that one probably is not very important at all. It's probably some silly little tie-in thing because it's really trying to wrap up the whole Harley Quinn series and then like on the cover I saw it also has a Joker War tie-in. So um, So I don't think that's a really important one. I do have it but I don't think it's a really important one. Um, there's a Catwoman one that I think deals with her trying to, uh, help Bruce. I won't say how, but basically Joker has created an environment where he is now the one in charge, which is, you can imagine, very dangerous. So, uh, Bruce is not at the status that he was and it's because of the Joker. And it's very unclear as to whether the Joker knows who Batman is or not. There's times where it seems like he knows Batman is Bruce Wayne, and then there's times where it seems like he thinks that it's Batman is is um, financed by Bruce Wayne. So, and I can't can't tell for sure. Like, there's times where it's like, okay, is the Joker just telling his minions that it's that Bruce Wayne finances Batman, but. He really does know who Batman is uh, or does he not know either? It's it's very unclear, and I kind of like the fact that I that it's unclear. Like I, That seems very Jokerish. ish um, So, yeah, so I'm I really enjoying Joker War. Cannot say enough about it. Um, there's the tie-in tie in Batgirl number 48, uh, which I did read that one. That one was really good. She's also dealing with her brother in that, and her brother's trying to show that he has done better for himself um so yeah it's, it's really really well done uh event so far um i have a feeling there's like from a timing perspective some things are a little bit thrown off like i read the Red hood and the outlaws issue that ties into it and in that um there's things going on with nightwing that don't think happened in Nightwing yet so like Nightwing came out, it has several issues that tie into it and Red Hood and the Outlaws only has one so what I happen, what I read in Red Hood and the Outlaws because I've been collecting them and stacking them in the order of how they came out I read what ha- what's going on with Nightwing before they show it happening in the Nightwing issue because that Nightwing issue hadn't come out yet so that was a little bit bad timing on their part uh, and I'm kind of worried wondering like how does it actually line up correctly because it seems like maybe it doesn't. So, um, so we'll see uh, when I read the next Nightwing issue. Um, then we got, uh, the dreaming waking hours. Number one, uh, this is in the Sandman universe. Uh, I had, I have all the issues of the dreaming. There was a 20 or 21 issue series and then it ended and then they've got a new writer on it, and uh, they've launched with a new number one called Waking Hours. Um, I did not get th- this one at all uh, because I only read two issues of The Dreaming and it really liked it a lot, but it was one of those ones where, like, I need to sit down and just read this in a big chunk. And from what I saw on the, I did look at the last page of the last issue just to make sure it wasn't just like to be continued in The Waking Hours because if I needed to get that to finish the story, I wanted to make sure I did it, but it did not seem like that was the case at all. Um, it seems like it was perfectly fine that I did not, uh, get that. So, um, then we have Harley Quinn and the birds of prey number three. That's the black label one. Um, I did get issues one and two. I don't know if three has hit shops yet or not. Um, I have not read issues one and two yet, um, I want to, it just, I, I think something with it is like, this could be the black label that makes me not enjoy all black labels. Like I mentioned, I've enjoyed everything black label and it's not because I don't like Harley Quinn. It's not because I don't like the birds of prey. It's because this seems very cartoonish compared to what I've seen with the black labels. Like the black labels have been very serious. They've been very, um, Intense art and everything else, and this is the first one that looked like it. So, almost looked like it was all ages, and I know it can't be, but um, but yeah, it just seemed very. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I should just read it, and then I'll probably find that I love it, and you know, everything will be fine. Uh, Strange Adventures number four. I have read the first two issues of Strange Adventures, and it is fantastic. Um, I know Chuck recently, uh, actually, as of this night, told me that he got. The two trades for Vision uh, by Tom King, and he said he read the first trade and it is really good. And I mean, for Chuck to have read through the whole first trade in like a sitting—I mean, that's six issues, I think it is. That says something. I mean, that says something for anybody. I'm not not trying to knock Chuck at all, um, but like he doesn't—much like a lot of us—he doesn't have the time typically to sit there and just read six issues. Um, but he was liking it enough that he was like, okay, I'm going to read, I, I need to finish reading this. And I, I'm willing to bet that tomorrow or sometime this weekend, he's probably going to finish reading the the second trade because he seemed to really, really like it. And him and I were talking about that. So he finished reading it and he texted me and we were just kind of talking back and forth. And I said, well, I need to make a point to read it. Then also, if you're giving it that high of praise, then I need to read it as well. Um, but we were saying, I said, I think that Tom King does best when he's given, like, these borderline characters that he can basically do anything with. And they are off to the side, like where, like they like said, the, where DC's like, yeah, do whatever you want. Um, or Marvel did, like, with Vision. Yeah, do whatever you want with that character. And then he does something so impactful and so amazing that it's just like wow, like, um, and that it's also a miniseries, so he knows where the the ending is going to be. Whereas when you threw him on Batman, it was hit or miss, at least for me. Um, There were some arcs and some issues of Batman where I was like, wow, this is like some of the best Batman that I've ever read. Like, literally, there would be issues where I was like, just, I took a step back afterwards and be like, this is incredible. And then there would be issues where I'm like, this is total shit. Like, this looks, this story is is horrible. I don't I don't get this. I don't understand that. Um, I don't know what he was going for here. There were issues like that for me. So, and I think it was because it was just like this, he had this long game plan and he had to fill in a couple, it felt like he had to fill in a couple of gaps to get to that end uh, number of issues. And those weren't as strong. They weren't as tight. At least for me, they weren't. Um, like I know some people praise the issue that he did for, um, with Swamp Thing, Batman and Swamp Thing. And I'm like, that was one of the worst issues for me. Like I just, it it felt so clunky. It just did not, it didn't do anything for me. Um, whereas I read City of Bane, which was how he was closing out his run on Batman. That story was fantastic. And it kind of tied into stuff that happened earlier that he set up at the beginning of his run which I love that, too. I totally appreciate stuff like that. So, yeah, he was hit or miss for me. But like I said, with, when he does these miniseries, like he's doing Strange Adventures, I heard Mr. Miracle is fantastic. Also, I have all the issues of that. I need to sit down and read that. I'll read the vision first, and then I'll, I'll read Mr. Miracle. Because Strange Adventures, I'm, I'm loving it. Um, I have issues three and four. I need to sit down and read them because I really loved what he did in issues one and two. So. Um, but yeah, him uh, Chuck and I were talking about that. And we'd start talking about some of these other things and uh, happening in comics and everything else too. So um, then we have the Flash number uh, seven fifty nine and seven sixty. Flash is one that came back uh, very appropriately. Came back quickly after the pandemic was over. It was like they had those issues ready and they just started churning them out. Um, I read. I've, I've read up to the issues right before this, so I've read issue up. I think up through 758. I think I've read, uh, or maybe 757, somewhere around there. Um, I know I read 750, and I read the arc that came after that. So, um, and then I, I just, I stopped. I have the issues I need to sit down and read them, but it's like I'm really not that far behind when it comes to the Flash. I'm like five, six issues behind. I think it is. So um, that I can read pretty quickly. But I think 762, which just recently came out, is the last issue uh, done by Joshua Williamson. And that said, he, he did over 100 issues, 100-some 100 issues of Flash. Um, and I think he did a fantastic job. I absolutely loved his run on Flash. Uh, I think it was really well done, uh, and I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, We have solicited here Justice League Dark number 25, which is a series I need to get caught up on. I read up through Witching Hour. Uh, Loved Witching Hour and loved everything that led up to it. I think that was only like issue 8 or 9, and now they're up to issue 25. Thankfully, they don't come out with Justice League Dark as often as they come out with Justice League, because otherwise I would be a lot more behind. Um, The art is beautiful. The storylines are awesome. I don't know why I'm not caught up on it, but I need to get caught up on it because I think there's a Justice League issue that ties into Death Metal, and I need to read get caught up so that I can read that issue. Uh, Justice League number 50, I'm almost caught up to issue 50. Uh, Like I said, I just finished the Perpetua issue uh, battle, and then there's like, I don't know, like five or six more issues after that. Maybe, well, maybe it's more than that. Maybe might be 10 issues. Um, so maybe I'm not as caught up as I think I am, but I'm getting caught. Just league is one of those ones that's on my stack right now to, to read an issue of that at least once every other day to get caught up. Um, because again, I want to be reading death metal and I feel like I need to get caught up on, um, just league in order to do so because there is going to be a justice league tie in issue. I, I know that. So, um, and just like, obviously I'm woefully behind. I think I read the first issue and haven't read anything beyond that. Cause the first issue was okay. Like it wasn't anything great, but I still kept getting the title. So, um, let's see here. Uh, going forward. The question, Deaths of Vic Sage, I read the first issue, absolutely loved it, haven't read the rest of it, I have all four issues, I need to read the rest of that, again, it's a black label one, Um, and yeah, the first issue was just, I read it and was just like, wow, this is really good. Why I didn't keep reading it, I couldn't tell you. Um, Same thing with Wonder Woman, Dead Earth, Um, I read the first issue and was blown away by it, the art is not for everybody, the art's... A bit out there it's very stylized but i really liked it uh it really worked for um, what it was so uh then we have blackest night brightest day box set very expensive uh i am definitely looking to get this uh it's green lantern it's blackest night it's brightest day I love those storylines. Regardless of what you felt about Brightest Day, there's some people that didn't care for Brightest Day that much. I thought Brightest Day was fantastic. I really enjoyed it. Um, it's the culmination. This this is all the culmination of Jeff Johns' run on Green Lantern. Um, I have the box set of Crisis on Infinite Earths, and that box set is beautiful. It's heavy. It's heavy. It's got a lot of hardcovers in it, but it is it's beautiful. There's art. All around the box, it opens up. There's like a flap that opens up. It like sticks magnetically, but then like it, it's almost like a drawbridge that drops down and insides all the hardcovers. And you pull out the hardcovers, and each one has uh, a newly drawn cover based off of other covers tied into the storyline. So, um, and then inside you get to see the the normal covers and everything else. And there's a lot of supplemental material and everything else. That's what looks like this is going to be. Um, there is a lot of material in this thing. And they did do hardcovers for a lot of these things in the past, um, but I believe this has some stuff that was never collected in hardcover before, uh, at least not in this way or this format. Um, so a lot of, I think a lot of this, if not all of this, is uh, in trade, but not all of it's in hardcover, so I really love that. The artwork on the box looks amazing. Kind of creepy, but it should be. It's Blackest Night. Um, So it says it includes 12 new hardcover collections. Uh, So it includes Blackest Night, which it has the Prelude, uh, or Blackest Night Prelude, which collects Green Lantern 26 through 28, 36 through 43, and Final Crisis Rage of the Red Lanterns and I don't think any of that's been collected before as far as in a hardcover edition. Uh, Blackest Night, and then there's Blackest Night, which collects Blackest Night 0 through 8, and Pages from Untold Tales of Blackest Night number 1. Then we have Blackest Night, Green Lantern, which collects Green Lanterns 44 through 52. Uh, And then we have Blackest Night, Green Lantern Core, which collects Green Lantern Core 39 through 47. Then we have Blackest Night Black Lantern Core Book 1, which collects Blackest Night Batman 1 through 3, Blackest Night Superman 1 through 3, and Blackest Night Wonder Woman 1 through 3. Then we have Blackest Night Black Lantern Core Book 2, which collects Blackest Night The Flash book, uh, Flash 1 through 3, Blackest Night JSA 1 through 3, and Blackest Night Titans 1 through 3. And then we have Blackest Night Rise of the Black Lanterns, which collects the Adam and Hawk uh hawkman number 48 phantom stranger 42 green lantern green arrow number 30 adventure comics number seven uh starman number 81 question number 37 catwoman 83 western uh weird western tales 71 power shazam number 38 so all those titles that they did uh it was like titles that were canceled in the past or or ended in the past they did one more issue that were all blackest night stuff so that's what. that is collecting those in hardcover which like I said I don't think those were ever collected in a hardcover edition the closest you ever got was Starman that I know of Starman number 81 was collected in the hardcover it was collected in the Starman omnibus hardcovers uh, which are really I just found out recently those are really going for a lot of money they're really expensive I have all of them because I got them when they came out because I love Starman it's one of my all-time favorite uh, comic book series um but yeah, I looked up like the hardcovers and I think it's like there's certain ones like number three and maybe number five or something like that. Some of them are really, really tough to get now. And so they're, they go for a lot. Like I looked up a, a collection of the hardcovers. It's, it, it has all six, I think it's all six of them. I think there's six and it, they're going for like 550 to $600, like to, to have all of them, like that's crazy. I think when they came out, they were like 50 bucks cover price. So you figure six of them would be $300. Um, it's like $200, two, 300 more than that. It's like almost doubling the price of each one. Um, and I certainly didn't even pay cover price for them when they came out. It's just amazing. I looked at it and was like, ooh, do I sell them? I was like, no, I like having them. They, that's, again, one of my favorite series. I looked up the actual comic book series to see who's selling full runs to see what that's selling for. And you can actually get the full run of the comic for less than what those hardcovers are just to show you like the demand for sometimes certain collective editions. Um, yeah, I found a listing for like all of the issues for 200 bucks, which it's an 81 issue run with a couple annuals that, yeah, to get that for 200, like you're basically paying, two bucks an issue roughly like just a little bit more than two bucks an issue that's that's not bad at all that's actually a really good deal versus the hardcovers where it's like three times that to get the hardcover so again you guys know I love hardcovers they hold their value or they go up in value very rarely do they go down in value so like even if even if I'm getting something that is you know, like say I go to Baltimore comic con and there's someone there selling the surplus hardcovers of like certain omnibus editions and stuff like that. So I, I might get an omnibus for 30 bucks or 40 bucks. It's normally hundreds hundred and some dollars. Yeah. It's it, that's cheap and everything else. But five years later, especially if that thing is out of print, it, it's going to be well worth more than 30, 40 bucks. Um, so it's, it's interesting. But, uh, but yeah, uh, I went on that tangent because of the Starman issue <laughs> saying that was in the, in the Omnibus hardcover. Um, but like I said, the rest of them I don't think have ever been collected into a hardcover edition. Then we have Blackest Night, Tales of the Core, uh, which collects Blackest Night, Tales of the, the Black Lanterns, 1 through 3. Adventure Comics, 4 through 5. Untold Tales of Blackest Night, number 1. Stories of the Green Lantern. Uh, stories from Green Lanterns eighteen through twenty, uh, issue forty and forty nine. Green Lantern Sinestro Core, Secret Files number one. Tales of the Sinestro Corps. Superman Prime number one. And pages from the Black uh, from Blackest Night number zero. So a bunch of stuff that they put together in there. Then we have Brightest Day Green Lantern, which collects Green Lantern issues fifty three through sixty two. Brightest Day uh, Book one, which collects Brightest Day. 0 through 11, and then Brightest Day Book 2, which collects Brightest Day 12 through 25. And then there's the Book of the Black, which collects uh, sketch material, both previously released and new, series pr- uh, proposals, variant covers, posters, Blackest Night uh, outline scripts, and more. So, like, obviously, a lot of that stuff's never been collected before. So, that was just very exciting for me as a Green Lantern fan. It was something like you kind of have to have. Like, if you can afford to do it, you kind of
0: have to do it.
1: <laughs> um, speaking of things you kind of have to do, uh, they also have Batman the Demon Trilogy hardcover. And this collects Batman Birth of the Demon number one, Batman Bride of the Demon number one, and Batman Son of the Demon number one um, at their original uh, published dimensions of eight and a half by ten. Uh, 0.875 inches. Um, so I have, I think, Son of the Demon or Birth of the Demon. It's one of the two. I'm pretty sure it's Son of the Demon. I have the actual uh, graphic novel uh, in my collection. Uh, I definitely want this this hardcover um, and I'll get rid of the original. That's fine. I'm totally fine with that. Um, but yeah, that's that's a pretty monumental issue to be having so then we have batman the road to no No man's land omnibus would love to get this at some point in the future um because i love no man's land it's one of my favorite batman stories i got a lot of favorite batman stories no man's land is definitely one that has a special place for me so batman hush you guys know i've mentioned times, batman hush is my favorite batman story Obviously, I love the Jim Lee artwork, but I think the story is very good, too. I've heard many people say, like, all oh, falls apart when you really take a look at it. I don't think it does. I think it's a very, very good story. Um, so, I love Long Halloween. I love um, uh, Year One. Like, There's a lot. A Court of Owls is amazing. Um, but when you look at No Man's Land, the reason why that one appeals... Uh, Nightfall is another one. It's uh, incredible. But... Um, The reason why No Man's Land appeals to me is because uh, that was the first comic that I can remember getting after college. So I went, uh, you know, in high school I was heavy into comics, collecting a lot and everything else. And I basically reread a lot of those comics when I went to college because I couldn't afford to get more comics. Um, Then when I got out of college, I I was heading home and I had some money from working uh, while I was in college. And uh, stopped at the comic shop in Toledo on my way home. And I can't remember the name of the comic shop. I don't know if it's still there or not. I hope it is because it was actually a really good one and it was it was pretty big. Um, like had a lot of space with a lot of back issues and everything else. Um, if I ever go out to Toledo again, I'll have to stop there and see if it's still there because um, I remember exactly where it's at. But uh, I stopped in there and then I walked in and there was. Just it, it, it did exactly what I think DC was hoping, which is it just flooded my visual senses by seeing all these comics with uh yellow and black borders, like this caution tape type thing. And I'm like, what is this? And I see No Man's Land. I see Batman, and this shop had almost every issue. And I was like, is this the entire run? Like everything that has come out for this and. The guy told me he had everything except for Shadow of the Bat 51 or 81 or something like that. It was the one that first introduced Batgirl. He didn't have that issue. Um, I since have gotten that one. But uh, he he had all the rest that led up to that point. Like I don't think the whole story was done yet because I think I started getting all the rest of it after that. But I bought all of it. I was like, I'm, if you have all of it, I'm just going to get all of it. So I uh, went right along his his uh, rack there and just picked up each one, took it up to the counter and paid for it, and then, uh, and then like I said, I continued it, and I went home, and uh, I remember just devouring it, like, reading all those issues, because it had been so long since I had read new comics. Like, I had just been reading all the stuff I already knew. Um, so, yeah, it was, so No Man's Land holds a special place for me for that reason, so... Uh, then we have JLA by Grant Morrison Omnibus. Uh, as much as I might give a lot of flack to Grant Morrison, this is my favorite Justice League ever uh, that's been done because he was the first one to give you the Big Seven in one Justice League title. Um, before that, I don't think it had been done. I don't think you had all. You know, I don't think you had Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Flash, Green Lantern, Aquaman. Um, and uh, Martian Manhunter all on the same team, and then you added he added more uh, characters like Plastic Man and Steel and Huntress and uh, Zoriel and stuff like that. It was really, really well done. It was really cool. It does get very Morrison-y at, by the end. I think that happens often. I think I may have mentioned this in past episodes, but you can tell when Grant Morrison's getting tired of of writing a title because it starts getting even more Morrison-y than normal. Like he already gets a bit weird at times, but he goes off the deep end when he, you can tell he's about to leave a, a title because it's just like, he, it just feels like he's tired of writing it. So he writes the weirdest shit ever. Um, and he definitely does that with, with JLA. Uh, there's the whole, I think it's the Sin Eater thing. Uh, I think that's the name of the, the being or whatever that starts getting very weird. But everything before that is fantastic. And in the middle of all that is the Mark Wade story, which is Tower of Babel, which is one of the best Justice League stories you're ever going to read. So that's not in here as far as I know because that wasn't Grant Morrison. But like I said, the Grant Morrison stuff is fantastic. It's definitely worth reading. I'm not getting this because I already have the Grant Morrison Deluxe hardcover editions, where it was like five vol—I think it was five volumes. They did, um, so I have all of those. It was four or five, but I'm, I think it was five. Um, so I have all of those. So I don't—I don't need to get the omnibus on top of it. But if you don't have those stories, I would—and you like the Justice League—I would definitely recommend getting it. Then we have the Flash uh, Savage Velocity trade paperback. This is the start of the Wally West Flash, uh, as far as him being. Uh, the new flash. So crisis of earth's happened. Uh, Barry died Wally took over. This is, this is the start of the the series. Um, see going ahead. Uh, we also have justice league unlimited galactic justice trade paperback. Collects some of the unlimited issues that were out there. Power of Shazam book one in the beginning. Power of Shazam is actually a really, really good title. Uh, then we also have Robin, 80 years of the boy wonder hardcover. That's awesome. I love the 75 years and the the 80 years. Pretty sure I have the Robin one for the 75 years. Um, basically what you end up getting with those is you get, um, typically the first appearance of the character. Although with these 80 year ones, I don't know if they did that because the 75 year one just came out five years ago. And that definitely had the first appearance of the character in there. So I don't, I'm gonna be interested to see what issues they repeat in these 80th anniversary ones versus what they had in the 75th anniversary one. Um, but yeah, you basically get to see, read these stories that um, spotlight the character throughout the decades. And I really love that. Um, now, I will say the one thing that's, I understand why it happens, but one thing that's disappointing is I have noticed sometimes they'll put an issue in there. That's like part three of a story arc. And I get it a lot of stuff, especially contemporary stuff is everyone's writing for the trade. So it's, you know, it's tough to not have like a part three or something like that, but it is one of those things where it's just like, uh, come on, could have just found a a one shot story that was, would have been really good. Um, but I also haven't read them all the way through to know, like, it, even though this is part three, could I still understand what was going on? So, I don't know. We'll see. Then we have a Sandman Book of Magic, the Books of Magic omnibus. Uh, very interested in this. Uh, it's something I'm going to be looking down the line to get. But this uh, tells the story of um, uh, Tim Hunter. I was going to say Rip Hunter. I was like, no, that's the time traveling guy but it's uh, Tim Hunter who could be the most powerful magician in the world. Um, This was done by Neil Gaiman and there's some other writers and art and artists that worked on it. Um, But there's a cover by Chris Bocciolo for this uh, omnibus, which I absolutely love that. Um, There's just a lot of good stuff that was coming out this month. So, um, so I'm very interested in this. Uh, I've only read a little bit of books of magic, but, I've heard it's fantastic. So it's something I definitely want to check out at some point. Uh, We also have Superman vs Wonder Woman tabloid edition. So there's uh, one of those giant size editions that was Superman vs Wonder Woman that came out years and years and years ago. They're like doing a reprint of it, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, Let's see here. Poster portfolio of Claymon. Claymon is a fantastic writer. I am very much looking forward to, uh, checking out some more of his artwork. Uh, he did some of the city, of the city of Bane issues, and I thought that they were amazing looking. The artwork was just absolutely incredible. Uh, one thing from the action figure series is they did do more figures of the Batman animated series from the actual Batman animated series. Uh, not ones that were based off of the comic books adventures book which is totally fine to do that, but um, they did come out with Poison Ivy from season from the first couple seasons, uh, uh, Mr. Freeze, a Bane, and a Killer Croc. I did pick up the Bane. I do want to get the Poison Ivy, the Killer Croc, and Mr. Freeze. Uh, probably Poison Ivy the most out of the remaining three, uh, just because that's the Poison Ivy that I really like uh, from the animated series. Uh, the most Killer Croc, It's definitely the version I like, and Mr. Freeze is definitely the version I like, but those two characters aren't as important to me, uh, because they're just not favorite characters for me, but Poison Ivy's really well done, and Bane was fantastic looking. I I got that figure. I've already set him up in my uh, collection, which, by the way, I've been working on my displays and everything else. I got my glass cabinets up. I'm going to be releasing, uh, well, I'm going to be recording and then releasing an update video, so... I don't want it to be like, oh, everything's all of a sudden done now, and this is, you know, here you saw the shit beforehand, and now everything looks great. Um, I don't want it to be like that. So I do want it to see it as a process. But I didn't. I have made some great strides in setting up a lot of stuff. So I want to record some stuff in my geek room uh, that I can show you some stuff that I did, stuff that I plan on doing, and then I'm gonna, and then I want to do a video recording in the basement to kind of show you the stuff I did there, because I've made some big strides there as well. Um, but Bane, what made me think of it, was Bane is set up now in with my Batman animated series figures. Um, I still have some figures to, to locate and set up in there, but um, that is all looking really cool, and I'm looking forward to being able to show you guys a video of that and everything of so what I've done so far. So that is everything from DC Connect issue one. It is now twelve forty at night. Wonder if I can get through issue two quickly, since uh, I've talked about a lot of the stuff already. So I'm loading that up right now. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, like, it's, like I said, I've got um, a lot of. I was thrilled to have the Det- the IKEA DTOF cabinets already. Uh, or put them two of them together. I still have a third one to put together, uh, but I'm kind of setting some stuff up in the first two before I put the third one uh, together. So, um, so like I said, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, so then we have for issue two here, these are uh, solicitations for stuff that's coming, that came out in September, I should say. Um, so the, let's see here, the big highlight one, is going to be Detective Comics one thousand twenty-seven, so a thousand issues after Batman appeared in Detective Comics. So I know they did Detective Comics number one thousand, which was a big deal. Um, that, but this was the true one thousand, I guess you could say, because this is a thousand issues after Batman first appeared in Detective Comics, and they did one hundred forty-four pages for nine ninety-nine, which. That nowadays is a bargain because normally you, you might be able to get a hundred pages for that price. This is giving you two issues on top of that. It basically looks like a trade paperback. Like that's how thick it is. It's, it's not, I mean, it's thinner than a trade paperback, but it's, it's got, it's got some heft to it. It's, it's way, way thicker than a normal issue would be. Um, and I'm really looking forward to it now. I started reading it, and then I realized there might be some Joker War tie-in stuff in there. So I've stopped reading it. I read, like, the first five, six pages of it and really liked what I was reading in there. And I've heard from people that the stories overall are really good. Um, So I'm looking forward to reading it, but I wanted to get caught up on Joker War, and then I'm going to read this. And Man, I'm really looking forward to reading it. Um, They did a lot of variant covers for it. Um, and I have like a J. Scott Campbell one, uh, and I have a a couple other ones that I really liked. So they're going to, of course, do a hardcover deluxe edition of it. Um, I don't see myself getting that, but I, I am looking forward to, uh, to reading that issue. Uh, the Batman three Jokers issue two is going to have a Batgirl cover and one of the other Jokers on the cover. And I think there's going to be some other ones, uh, as well. So no surprise there. Um, Then we have Dark Knight's uh, Death Metal. Uh, They're going to have an issue called Trinity Crisis, which that one just recently came out. I heard that that's what really kind of ties this in and sets it all up. This is kind of wrapping up uh, the three crises that came before. So the ones that they're referring to as crises, if I remember right from a review that I watched on this issue, was... um, And it it was a non-spoil... little bit of a spoiler issue. I, I shouldn't have watched the review, but I was kind of interested um, in what, what it was about and what they were saying, especially because it said crisis. So they, I think it was Crisis of the infinite earths and um, uh, final crisis. And then, and then the original dark Knight metal, or it could have been infinite crisis and then final crisis and then dark metal leading up to this or something. I, I can't remember, but they, they, from what I understand, they get very specific about what the three crises were, uh, which I think is kind of tough to do, especially because you had Flashpoint, which to me was a crisis. Flashpoint was definitely a crisis. I mean, you relaunched the entire universe because of it. Zero Hour was called Crisis in Time. So I don't know. There's been a lot. Um, just come, came out this week was Death Metal, um, Speed Metal, which I thought was of course it's about the speedsters and everything else, but I found it very amusing because, um, speed metal is an actual type of music and they've been obviously playing with that theme with calling this death metal and everything. Um, but from what I understand, it's Batman, the Batman who laughs is trying to catch Wally West and, uh, take his speed because if he can get that, then he basically becomes all powerful and Wally West is, at the end of um, Flash Forward sat in the Mobius chair and his mind works fast enough that he can handle all that knowledge and not go crazy. Um, And then they were supposed to do a free comic book day issue that was going to show kind of like what happened after that and they never really did. So I think some of this plays into what has happened to him since Flash Forward. Then we have Death Metal Multiverse's End, which brings together a whole team of insane, crazy looking uh, characters to help fight. So you have uh, the Black Superman from an alternate universe who was like president in that alternate universe. You have uh, Captain Carrot. You have this, I believe this is the Stan Lee created Wonder Woman. Um, I think that's what she looks like. Um, I can actually look it up on, but we also have um, from uh, Earth-X or what used to be Earth-X. You have uh, Uncle Sam. You have a Guy Gardner, which I'm not sure which Guy Gardner is, it, it is. Uh, it looks like you have um, Red Rain Batman. And then you have, uh, looks like Tangent uh, Universe Green Lantern, which, like I said, I really do like the Tangent Universe Green Lantern. Uh, what they did with her i thought that was a very interesting character very different tape, take on green lantern and then you have kingdom come flash uh so that is also a character i've really liked and yeah looking it up uh it was the stanley one Woman that they have in here as well so that's really really cool um that they're bringing all these multiverse characters together uh, then here's the Justice League issue, number 53. Like I was mentioning, I do need to get caught up on Justice League because I knew it was going to be tying in. Then we have Hellblazer, Rise and Fall number one. It's a black label, and from what I heard, this is the John Constantine we want to be reading. Like, it's uh, John Constantine in, in uh, Justice League Dark, perfectly fine i i like it again that's a title i really enjoyed but it's not as it's it's not hellblazer like it's not as gritty as it could be this is supposed to be as gritty as it's supposed as it could be it's written by tom taylor shocker really good writer uh but from what i've heard from a lot of people this is like really good this gets back to the roots of hellblazer uh and so i'm looking forward to reading that one maybe this weekend i'll be able to read read that one then like I said, I am looking forward to that. Then we have Batman, the Joker War, uh, the Joker Warzone number one, so it's a one-shot. Um, I don't think this one's come out yet. Uh, so before I read that, Batman number 98. So I think I'm wrong looking at the cover of this one. I don't think I've read this issue, so I might be and still need to read issue 98 and 99. Um, but definitely read up to 97. Uh, 99 has Batman and Nightwing back-to-back facing off a bunch of... Joker gang, uh, going on there. Uh, Batgirl number 49. I, I just got this and it's the finale for, uh, the Batgirl, uh, tie in. And then issue 50 of Batgirl is supposed to be the last issue of Batgirl. So I'm actually kind of interested in that, especially if i read the Joker war stuff leading up to that. Um, I'd be kind of interested to just see how Batgirl ends. Uh, the thing that's really interesting with the Batgirl title is that she, so I didn't know this, but so she, she can walk again. We obviously know that she went from being Oracle to being Batgirl again, and she could walk. And I never knew if they really were going to explain like how that happened. Well, evidently, she had a device put into her, and I don't know if she was able to walk again, and then lost the ability to walk, and then had a device. I don't know, because they haven't kept up with the Batgirl title, because it was starting to... Get wonky to where I wasn't enjoying it but um, they've brought her and they kind of made her like they almost like de-aged her for a while there and now she's back at being the age that looking like the age that we know her as Um, so she has this device in her spine that allows her to walk well in this tie-in issue to Joker War she she uh, starts getting controlled by the Joker because he's taken over Wayne Enterprises, and he is now in charge of the tech and everything else. And because of that, he's actually able to control the device that's in her, which makes her, he can like basically paralyze her and basically keep her there, which is obviously very terrifying. So they like said really good stuff, and it really does tie into what's happening in Joker War because again, he's taken over everything. Um, so counteract that she rips the damn thing out of her spine like that's some intense shit right there like that was like good storytelling um like that she would do that and everything else and then it just kind of ends and we go into the next issue and um things happen that to help her out again and everything else i'm very interested to see where this all ends and where it goes uh and then like i kind of feel like issue 50 with it being the last issue is going to be like this epilogue thing of like of from joker war and where this character might be going in the future i'm not gonna lie i kind of hope that her implant doesn't work as well anymore or something and she goes back to being oracle i just liked her as a character and i think she was a good representation for those with disabilities um you know she was Stuck in a wheelchair, and she made the most out of her life, and actually became one of the most amazing hero heroes out there by being Oracle, and like was a resource for all other heroes and everything. It was just really cool. Um, so I would love to see her as Oracle again. I love Batgirl, but yeah, I'd be so happy if they made Stephanie Brown Batgirl again. Like I love Barbara Gordon as Batgirl. Don't get me wrong; she's the original Batgirl. I will always love her, but I loved having Stephanie Brown as Batgirl, and barbara gordon being oracle and like being that mentor to stephanie like that was such a smart move and it worked so well and people loved it why would you why would you take that away go back to that um catwoman number 25 i mentioned the joker war tie-in it's the one joker war tie-in for uh catwoman it's exercise extra sized issue because it's issue 25 that's the thing that's been tough with Joker war a little bit is like, there's been some of these extra sized issues uh, going on, like detective number 1027. So it makes it a little bit slower getting through all of the issues. So, uh, not totally not really complaining about that. It's been a fun ride, but that's just the, the facts of it. Uh, Superman number 25, uh, uh it's got a new villain named, uh, Sinmar, I believe it is. Let me zoom in here to see if I can read that. Yes, yeah, Sinmar. S Y N M um, A R. I am behind on the Brian Michael Bendis. I uh, uh, Superman titles. I've liked them, um, not as strong as I thought they could be. Again, I'm a Brian Michael Bendis fan. I really do like his stuff, but the Superman titles. Again, hit or miss, like some issues, I'm like, oh, this is really good. And sometimes even in the same issue, there's some issues where it's just like, okay, these characters are written well, okay, these characters are not. So, um, yeah, just, it's interesting. Um, And there's there's this weird tween one uh, where it's Victor and Nora Gotham love story. I feel like it's just a love story that takes place in Gotham to try to sell books. Uh, there's also action comics number 1025 which just recently came out uh, with Lois Lane and her and the bat or the bat family the superman family um, here and we have uh, DC classics batman adventures which is the comics that came out based on the animated series uh, let's see batman and superman uh Number 12 has Brainiac appearing in it. And from what I saw that issue, um, it looks like Brainiac starts controlling some of the other villains of Batman and Superman, which that's interesting. And then we have Batman and Superman Annual Number 1, which has Mixoplick and Batmite kind of fighting against each other, but they have, they're have they controlling Batman and Superman uh, in an arena. It, it looks like it'll be very entertaining and very fun. So looking forward to that, uh, flash 761 and 762, uh, 62 is the last issue that Joshua Williamson, uh, writes and the cover is just intense. It has the flash dragging, uh, zoom, uh, or reverse flash across the ground. There's just a blood trail behind them on on a stark white background. It's, it's intense looking, um, let's see jumping ahead Some justice league titles um they like said it's tough because they're doing uh i can't just go okay and jump to jump to something so uh what they're doing also for legion of superheroes number nine i've read the first issue of legion of superheroes the new legion of superheroes by brian michael bendis um Evidently, Brian Michael Bendis writing DC Comics for some reason it's 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 slowing me down in reading his stuff, and I don't know why. I I've liked his stuff, and I actually really liked the first issue of Legion of Superheroes. I need to just read the rest of it. So they're doing this thing where it's uh, continuing a very special two-part comic storytelling event: United Planets of uh, Legion of Superheroes. Uh, let's see. Of course, I accidentally clicked on the wrong thing, so I couldn't... I zoomed in, and I couldn't see what I zoomed in on. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, guilty of crime... Uh, have found the Legion Superheroes are Guilty of Crimes Against the Galaxy, and it's up to our young heroes to prove their innocence. Featuring an all-star cast, this issue will feature a surprise thousand years in the making. Long live the Legion. And what they're doing is... In this issue, there's 22 pages by 22 amazing artists. So every page is being done by a different artist, which is very interesting. Um, And what I heard, I think it was from Comic Geek Speak, was that this was done one time a long time ago with another comic, and I can't remember which one they said it was, but they did it because the main artist was behind, so they just gave a page to everybody uh, to get an issue out there. And this time they're kind of doing it more as a a gimmick type thing. Um, I don't, it looks like they're doing a ton of covers for this one. Like there's a, there's just like a cover for every single character in the Legion. Uh, so they have monster boy, they have gold lantern, which I know there was a, a lantern that was introduced, which should make me very interested in reading this karate kid, ultra boy, lightning twins. Um, Brainiac 5, Cosmic Boy, Triplicate Girl, Dawnstar, White Witch, uh, Saturn Girl, Computo, Timberwolf, Superboy, Monel, and Chameleon Boy. Um, so, there looks like there's a cover for every single one of these characters. Very interesting. Uh, I would definitely love to get the Gold Lantern one, since I'm a Lantern fan. Um, we'll see. But, uh, yeah, they've got, like, the artists on this are, you have uh, Arthur Adams, Brian Michael Bendis, uh, he's drawing a cover, uh, issue himself. Um, so, or a, a page, I should say that I don't know that he's ever drawn anything before. Uh, Jim Chung, Nick Darrington, uh, Michelle Fief or Michael Feef, Michelle Feef. I think it is Gary Frank, Jenny Frison, uh, Mitch Gerads uh Mike Grell, James Heron, Tula Latoy, that I'm not familiar with, um, Manuela Pacino. I think I've heard that name recently. David Mark David Marquez, Kevin Nolan, uh Joe Quinones, Yvonne Hayes, uh John Ramita Jr., Riley Rosmo, Nicola Scott, who I love her stuff, um, Ryan Sook, and then Gene Jean-, Jean Lewin Yang. I've heard that name recently, um, so yeah, that could definitely prove to be an interesting issue. To, I, I just hope it's not going to be like jarring. Like, I'm hoping that it makes sense for the story since this time it seems like they're doing it intentionally. Like that, why the art would constantly be changing. So I don't know. Um, Red Hood and the Outlaws, number forty nine. I'm just the more I hear about Red Hood and the Outlaws, like when this title first started, I loved it, and it was. Way better than I any, I think anyone even expected it to be, and I'm kind of interested in getting this in trade, in general, just to kind of get caught up and 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 read it all because I've heard it. Overall, it has stayed really good, and Scott Lovedell has been the one writing it the entire time. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, Shazam number fifteen was the last issue, uh, unfortunately. Uh, for that title, and I was really enjoying it. Uh, they didn't even have Jeff Johns finishing the last issue. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I think I'm up to issue ten of, 9 or 10 of that. Um, so I need to finish that off. Uh, Suicide Squad number 9, supposedly, is supposed to be the, the death of Deadshot. We'll see if that's actually true. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what that's supposed to be. Young Justice number 18, I got to get caught up on Young Justice because everything I've read about, read so far of Young Justice, I say read about, but everything I've read of Young Justice so far, I have really, really enjoyed. It's been a title that I have really liked a lot. Um, Then we have some collected editions of the Joe Hill books. So we have Basketful of Heads, which I think I've read the first three issues of that. I have all these Joe Hill books, but I haven't read all of them. Just, again, one of those things where I kind of set it aside and just haven't read them. Uh, But Basketball Heads, I know I've read the first two or three issues of that. Really like that. Same thing with The Dollhouse Family. Very creepy. Um, It's creepy cool, but it's creepy. Um, And uh, Lolo Woods, I read the first issue. I think that's the thing that stalled me out. The Lolo Woods, weird. And not like a good kind of weird where I'm like, ooh, I want to find out what's going on. It was just weird. Um, It was just, I don't know, very bizarre. Uh, Batman, 80 Years of the Bat Family, uh, trade paperback. So that's not being done as a hardcover. That's being done as a trade paperback, which that's an interesting choice. Um, And then we have Batman by Tom King and Lee Weeks, the deluxe edition. So they've been doing deluxe editions for Tom King's run. Um, This is an interesting choice (coughs) because it's not just, like, here's the chunk of Batman stories. It's like, if you specifically want stuff that was written by Tom King and drawn by Lee Weeks, this is what, th- this is a collection for you. So, um, but this does, I, well, I don't think Lee Weeks drew the issue I was thinking of with, um, Thing. It's got some good issues in it. Uh, I will say that. So, and then we have, uh, Batman Batman laughs trade paperback, which collects, uh, I believe it's the inter- not the introduction of the character, but it, it collects, like, that mini series, which was issues one through seven, and then you had the Grim Knight, which that was actually really good. The only thing that's tough with reading The Batman Who Laughs is especially at nighttime. My eyes are tired, and I don't have the best light. Like, you kind of need to read those issues during the daytime or, or have a very good lamp or light by you because The Batman Who Laughs taught his word balloons are in black, and his words themselves are in red. And red on black, red lettering on on a black background does not work. Don't do it. I I know people think, oh, it looks cool because red and black go together. Yes, red and black go together very well. Red writing on a black background does not work. It doesn't doesn't go well at all. Um, I showed it to my wife, who's a graphic designer, and she was just like, why would they do that? Like that's just hurting people's eyes to like to try to read it. Cause it's thin writing too. It's not like big, thick, bold letters that they did. They did some thin lettering. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Very weird choice. Um, when it came to that, uh, then there's a collection of Batman volume one, their dark designs, hardcover. So this collects in hardcover edition, The storyline that took place right before um, uh, the Joker War. Uh, So this is the James Tinian stuff that I was mentioning. It's uh, issues 86 through 94. Really good stuff. Well worth getting. Uh, This actually introduces Punchline. uh, So if you're interested in that character. Who's actually a really good character. This is not just a substitution or another Harley Quinn. They have not written this character in that way at all. She is like punchline to... So, I guess you could look at Harley Quinn to Joker as being like Catwoman to Batman. In a sense. Because, like, there's that love interest, but they also are at odds with each other a lot of times. That's what Harley Quinn kind of is a little bit to Joker. Um, This is like... Punchline is kind of like the Robin to Batman. Like, she's the Joker's apprentice. And... But as whacked out and as deadly and dangerous as you would imagine, like she's very stone cold serious. She doesn't like she's not like Harley Quinn was out there for laughs and, every, and fun and everything else. Punchline is out there to kill, and Punchline is out there to deliver a message. And she like she's she's the she's the bullet that the the Joker fires out and she's, she's very straightforward, but she also knows what the Joker wants. And she also knows what makes the Joker laugh. And she knows like she's, she's very determined. And that's the thing I like is because I do like Harley, but I didn't want just another Harley by seeing punchline. That's the thing I was afraid of. That's not what we're getting here. So I'm very grateful for that. Then we have Batman Gotham by Gaslight Deluxe Edition, which that's very cool that they're collecting that as a Deluxe Edition. Then we have Batman Curse of the White Knight hardcover. So that's the Sean Murphy stuff. So that's cool that they're collecting that. Um, Then you have Batman The Man Who Last Deluxe Edition, which that's actually a really good story. That's by Ed Brubaker. Um, I actually remember reading that and really enjoying that. You have DC Poster Portfolio, Greg Capullo. So if you like Greg Capullo art, which I actually do, that is something that is worth getting. Uh, then you have Doomsday Clock: The Complete Collection trade paperback. So they did do two volumes in hardcover, which I didn't like that they did it as two volumes, but I did like the fact that they were hardcovers, um, and I was very excited to get that. Um, but if you're someone that likes to trade paperbacks and want it all in one volume, this that they have that out now for you. So. Um, then they have Fables Compendium trade paperbacks. So I have all the Fables in hardcover editions, but if you, again, if you like trade paperbacks, then that is, uh, that is worth picking up. Fables is a fantastic series. Again, one of my all time favorite series that has ever been done in comics. Uh, then we have JSA by Jeff Johns, book four. So I'm glad they're still collecting this JSA run. Best JSA run. By far, if you talk to anyone ask, that likes the Justice Society, you ask them, what's, what's your favorite Justice Society run or, or whatnot, they're going to very likely point to this. Uh, so this collects JSA 32 through 45. So um, getting right in the middle of, of that run of his. Um, let's see, we have Legion of Superheroes Millennium trade paperback, which was two issues. So let's see, are they giving you more than just the two issues? Are you paying for just two issues? Oh, so you're getting the two issues of Millennium, and you're getting uh, Legion of Superheroes 1 through 6. So you're, you're getting a good amount of issues. You're getting about eight, eight nine issues for a trade there. So um, Then we have Justice League International Omnibus Volume 2 hardcover. So there you got a whole bunch of Justice League International stuff, uh, which I absolutely love. Um, I've been getting all the Omnibus editions. Uh, for Justice League, uh, then we have New Teen Titans uh, Omnibus Volume Five. Uh, again, it was one of those things. Like, had I realized that at the time that I started getting the trades that they had already done some of these Omnibus and hardcover, I probably would have done the Omnibus because, again, love the hardcovers. And this is one. Of, this is my favorite run on Teen Titans. Um, doesn't get any better than that. Mr. Miracle Deluxe Edition hardcover. I was just mentioning earlier that I need to read the Mr. Miracle miniseries. I have all of the issues, so I'm not going to get this hardcover, but I've heard it's really, really good, and it's well worth reading. Then we have the Question the Death to Fix Sage hardcover. So I was just talking about the last one, how I need to finish reading that, that the first issue was absolutely amazing. Um, So here it is collected as a hardcover. Then they have uh, Sandman the deluxe edition book one. So if I have volume one and two of the absolute editions of Sandman, I think there's been four of them, maybe five, Um, but I need to get the other ones so I can have that. I do want to sit down sometime and read Sandman because I've heard it's fantastic why I got the absolute editions because I wanted to have nice copies of it to be able to sit down and read. Uh, through the whole story, because I've heard it's just fantastic. Uh, Then we have Shazam, the deluxe edition. So this is the uh, Gary Frank uh, artist uh, working with Jeff Johns. It uh, collects just the backup stories from Justice League 7 through 11, Issue 0, 14 through 16, and 18 through 21. So it brings the updated version of Shazam. All together into one collection. Then we have Justice uh, Young Justice Book Five trade paperback. So this is the original Young Justice uh, comic book series, which is one of my favorites. It's done really, really well. Um, It's the one that I mentioned in past episodes. That is, um, it's cheesy and campy at times, but then it hits you over the head with like some real emotional, impactful. Issues, some really impactful character developments and, and everything. This collects Young Justice 33 through 43, Young Justice, Our Worlds at War number one, and pages from Impulse 77 and Superboy number 91. So uh, that was during the Our Worlds at War, also those two uh, titles that I just mentioned. Uh, then they were going to do, well, these figures I think came out. So they did Batman Adventure Continues, which is the Issued. Uh, these are figures that they did based off of the new comic book series. So it's uh, Batman version 1, uh, Red Hood, Asriel, and Harley Quinn. So if you ever wanted a Batman animated series figure of as or of Red Hood, uh, that's what these figures are. And I like the fact that the Red Hood one comes with a Jason Todd head as well as the Red Hood head. Think these ones came out so here's the thing dc direct uh if you did not hear let go of everybody um it was a decision that was made that that the toy creators collectibles and stuff like that for dc direct were all let go um i don't know how they're gonna con- what they're gonna do to continue creating stuff i didn't get that far into finding stuff i felt really bad for all the people that were let go um I didn't know any of them but I knew people that knew people there. And uh that's a shame because they really did produce some really amazing figures and some really amazing collectibles and everything. I don't know how they plan on doing that in the future. Obviously there's ways to do it. It's just we won't I don't think we'll get figures like what we're seeing here. Um which is a shame. Uh I was actually like I know I mentioned before I only wanted to get ones from the actual animated series but I was tempted to get the Red Hood figure. I need to see if that one actually came out. But I was tempted to get the Red Hood figure because Under the Red Hood animated movie was is my favorite of the DC animated movies. I haven't read, I haven't watched all of them. I've heard Apocalypse Wars. i incredible. I have all of them. I uh, just need to actually watch them all. But um, Under the Red Hood was. My favorite one, I think that was exceptionally done. So that was why I was like, okay, well, that one, maybe I'll get it because it kind of fits into the animated stuff a bit. It's still a different style and everything else, but it still kind of fits in. Um, And let's see here. We got some statues. and um, So they did do uh, a Flash Speed Force figure, which is like this translucent red. Not, I'm a huge Flash fan, but not really a figure that I need. Uh, Batman by Todd McFarlane statue—that is a really cool statue. Um, it's what you kind of expect and what you've probably seen of Todd McFarlane doing Batman. Um, a lot of it looks like a spawn of uh, a spawn. It looks like a, it's a spawn of Spawn and Batman. It looks like a, uh, if Batman and Spawn had a child. That's what this Batman statue looks like. It looks awesome. It's got all flowing capes, like overlapping each other and everything else. Um, and he's looking very menacing. I will say the, um, uh, multiverse figures that Todd McFarlane has been doing, they've been really cool looking. I do have a few of them. Uh, and I'm looking forward to some of the other ones that he has coming out. They, they're just impressive figures and he puts a lot of effort into them. He uh, he gets I love watching the videos where he's showcasing one of the new ones because he gets very excited and that's what you really want in somebody creating some toys is like them being excited he's doing a lot of modern day stuff like so some of those stories that are coming out now um, he's doing figures for those stories which I think is cool because then it kind of ties back to the comics a bit it's like oh you really like this figure guess what that comic's actually out right now um, or the trade of it is out right now so I think I think from that perspective, it's, it's kind of smart. Um, and then there's this one statue here, which I think it's pretty expensive, but man, it's one of those things like money was no object. I would totally get this. Um, it's a, it's Catwoman in her wedding dress, which was on that one cover that was done by Joelle Jones. That, um, that's what it was based on is based on her, her drawing. Um, it was. It's just very captivating of Caplan. Like, I would love it just because I think it's a very beautiful statue. I think it was a very beautiful drawing. I would actually have that comic behind the statue to really show it. I think it would look really, really cool. Um, I have that comic. Was like a variant for issue fifty, I think it was. Um, but it's one hundred and forty dollars. I mean, so it's a very expensive statue, but I think it just it looks really, really cool. Um, and that is everything when it comes to DC. So, uh, I'm going to call it a night for right now. I will return and we will, uh, for you guys, it'll just be a matter of a few seconds. Uh, but for me, it'll be another night, maybe, maybe tomorrow night if I can swing it. Um, but it is one in the morning right now. So I've been talking for quite a while. Uh, we've covered two catalogs, which is awesome. Uh, just have two more to go. And then, uh, I'll get this episode out for you guys. So, uh, I will be back in, as Chuck Woolery would say, two and two. Okay, guys, uh, welcome back. Uh, it is actually for you guys, it's only been a few seconds. For me, it has been uh, a few days since uh, I recorded the DC part of this previous episode. Uh, but still not too long since the last episode, uh, came out for you guys. Did have some interesting things happen uh where during that time, which was uh we had our internet go out. Uh internet and cable completely went out the one day. It was on a Saturday, uh which was actually the Saturday I was supposed to get the last uh previews episode out to the general public because it was the third day after I'd been available uh for Patreon members. And yeah, just like also around three, four o'clock in the afternoon all of a sudden their internet went out and we've had it go out before, but then it usually comes out, comes back on like in a minute or two. Um, this didn't come back on. And then, so, uh, after a half hour or so, uh, my wife called the cable company and to see if there was like an outage in the area. There wasn't, uh, they said, uh, do us a favor. Can you also check your cable? Cause we're not showing you guys having a signal of any type. So, uh, she checked the, we, I checked the cable and, uh, we didn't have that access either. Like everything was down there. Like, yeah, we're showing you guys are completely blacked out. Uh, and they can't, could not figure out what was causing it. So they were going to send a technician out. Uh, they said, okay, we can have someone out there by Wednesday. I was like, uh, uh-uh. uh both my wife and I right now are working from home. Uh, we don't even have the option of going into the office. Like that's just not even an option. I even checked with my supervisor to be like, you know, can I go in just for like a couple days or something like that? And he was like, no, they're not allowing anyone even in the office right now that isn't required to be in the office. So, um, so it was like, okay, well, what do we do? So, uh, I got on the phone with them and said, look, this, you have to be able to do something like, I don't, you know, and the guy was like, well, I, could, I guess I can escalate it. And was like, yeah, please escalate it. <laughs> like this needs to be done as soon as possible. The earliest appointment they could get us was Monday between four and five. Uh, so did take a day off there, uh, because of it. And, uh, they came out and what they found was that, our line wasn't even there anymore. Like you have a line that goes from your house to like a box in the, in the neighborhood and stuff like that. When they check that box, our line wasn't there. Um, so my neighbor comes out and the, the one box location is in his yard. And it makes sense that our line would go to that box. Um, because it's like his house and my house and that's it pretty much before the next, uh, house until the next boxes, uh, Uh, that probably take care of like three or four houses there. So, uh, my neighbor comes out who, uh, my neighbors are ones always be watching what's going on in the neighborhood. Yeah. They're, they're that type. So, um, he comes out and he's like, Oh, um, you you guys were having problems. Yeah. We just had, they had to put a new line in for us because like, well, first off the, the technicians, tried a bunch of stuff like he he checked different signals and everything else found out had no signal he tried to see the check the boxes and outside and he's like i I can't even find your guys line so he's like what i'm going to do i'm just going to run a new line well that's when my neighbor came out and he saw the technician was running a new line and he's like oh yeah we we had to have a new line put in uh because we were having problems and so i asked the technician i was like do you think that the people that came out to put his new line in disconnected our line just to put his line in and he goes, I can almost guarantee this is exactly what happened. He says they probably went in there, just wanted to get the job done quickly. Took, took your line out, like completely took your line out, put his line in and that was it. So, um, so they had to run a new line. They got us back up and running, uh, And, uh, we did find out like one other thing is there might be some uh, damaged line in the house. So we'll have to get that fixed at some point. But right now we do have internet access. Everything's fine. Um, but yeah, what an ordeal. And then they, they still have to put the line into the ground. Like it's just, it's ridiculous. So anyways, uh, we have internet access again. So yay for that. And, uh. Uh, I was able to get the the episode out and everything else, but, uh, I was like, it's now Tuesday night. So, or Wednesday night, actually, and I'm recording this. Um, so after everything was all done, I was like, okay, uh, it's still around, it's about 1130 ish on Wednesday night. I do have to work tomorrow, um, and if, I have to work Thursday and Friday and then I'm going to actually have the next five days off from work. Uh, my birthday is on October 6th and, uh, so I took the sixth is a Tuesday. So I, I never work on my birthday. That's my gift to myself is that I don't work on my birthday. Um, if I have to call off sick, I will, but I've never had to do that. I always say vacation time, uh, at least a vacation day for my birthday. So I don't have to work on that day. Um, but I was like, if I'm, and I had some time, vacation time to work with. So I was like, well, if I'm going to take off Tuesday, I certainly am going to take off Monday. So this way I can have a long weekend. I'm not going to go into work on Monday and then not be off Tuesday. And then I have to work next Saturday. And when you work a Saturday where I work at, um, you get a day off during the week. And with my position, I get to pick which day that is. So, uh, I, as long as it coordinates with other people and time off and everything else. So, I was like, well, I'll just take Wednesday off then. So after Friday, I will have Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, which would be a nice five days off in a row. Um, and I'm hoping to be able to get more stuff done with the comic done during that time period as far as the behind-the-scenes book. Uh, do some more Star Joe stuff. I'll get some more videos out. I have, as of this recording, I have two video reviews done uh, or recorded. I just need to do do the editing where I insert images and stuff like that and get that done. And that does take a little bit of time, um, probably like an hour or so to do that. Um, and then get, put it through its process, like a half hour to an hour, uh, to do that and then put it through its processes. Uh, it takes a lot longer. That takes about an hour to two hours. Um, to put it through its, you know, you, you, basically you're exporting it and that it has to do all of its different, things that it needs to do. Um, and then once you have that, you have to upload it to YouTube. And so that takes time and everything. So, uh, it's, it's not a quick thing. Um, but a lot quicker than it used to be, which is why I'm able to do them more often now. Um, so yeah, so that's kind of my plans. I don't have anything special planned for my birthday. I am turning 45. I don't mind mentioning my age. Um, so right in the middle of my forties, and, uh, yeah, just with everything going on, we're not really planning on doing anything special other than just, uh, we are going to order takeout, which we have not done since the whole pandemic thing started just being extra cautious with, uh, with my wife being immune compromised and everything else. We just, we've only really had groceries delivered and, um, just done some essential things and that's really it. So, uh, I did say to her, I was like, well, for my birthday, can we just can we do takeout this way? Neither one of us has to cook anything and it'll be a special treat. So, so she was, she was for that. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's kind of what's been going on. Uh, I know the last update and le- like the last, um, episode, episode 27 that came out, I said we had like pages two, three, and four done. Uh, Joel is actually done up through page 10. He's currently working on page 11, so he's about halfway through the issue at this point, uh, keeping in mind that he already had a couple pages done, uh, with, that we used for the Kickstarter. Um, Ross, I haven't heard from in the last few days. Uh, I know he has pages to work on and everything, but, uh, I also know he's had some, uh, work things that, uh, cause he has a, a full-time job and he does the coloring, uh, as like an additional job on the side. And, uh, so yeah, so, uh, I'm hoping in the next day or two I'll see some more colored pages from him, so that would be very cool. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of all the updates right now. Uh, also since the last time, uh, the few seconds ago or whatever, since I recorded, um, a couple updates is that, uh, I had not, I realized I had not read up through in the Joker War, had not read issue 97. I thought I had. I had I have now read issue 97, which is uh, really good. Um, I read today the Harley Quinn issue, which has a somewhat of a tie-in thing in the back, but it's it it ties in, but it doesn't. It's like one of those you really don't need to get it to read it, which is probably no surprise to anyone out there. Um, also, I mentioned that the Detective Comics are good direct tie-ins to the main story. Yeah, only for that one issue so far. I, I didn't read Detective 1027 yet, which is the big anniversary issue. I haven't read that one yet, other than the first few pages of it that I read. Um, so I don't know where the tie-in to Joker War is in, in that one. I know there is a story in there that's a tie-in, but I haven't read that one yet because I just haven't gotten that far into it yet. But I read Detective Comics uh, 1026, which was a little side story with killer croc and really didn't really don't have to read it all. It uh, has no bearing other than if you like killer croc stories, like it was a decent killer croc story. It was kind of quick. It was kind of a filler issue. Um, but detective 1025, I would say is like, I don't want to say essential reading for Joker War, but it is definitely a very direct tie-in to Joker War, and it's a very good issue to read. Um <clears throat> I read I've been reading Nightwing and I've read uh Red Hood and Outlaw issue. That one was really, really good. Um it does seem like some of these tie-in issues aren't keeping track of what other tie-in issues are doing because I'm reading uh the Nightwing ones, and in that one we have Batgirl showing up to fight Nightwing. But then in the Batgirl issues, there's other stuff going on. So it's like in the Nightwing one, Batgirl gets captured and has to fight Nightwing. But in the Batgirl issue, none of that's happening. Um, So it's, they're, those ones are, while they're good stories, they're not doing a good job of coordinating with each other where their characters are. So, um, but like I said, main Joker war, really good. The other thing is, I had mentioned last time that Legion of Superheroes looked like it had a bunch of covers to it. That image was, if you've seen it, that image is actually just one cover. So it's they show a bunch of different, highlighting different characters in Legion. They look like all a bunch of different covers, but those are just all panels or images on the one cover. So it's like it, it's basically a one big cover that has that's made up of a bunch of little covers. So. Um, cause I was very confused by that because I was like, why would Legion of Superheroes have this many covers out there? Like it's not that huge of a title right now, as far as I know. Um, so yeah, so I just wanted to kind of update that when it comes to the DC stuff. Uh, I'm going to try to get through Marvel and previews and I have another Lego catalog. Now my buddy, Eric, uh, Grubb, who has been on the show many times said like, he's a big Lego fan just like I am. He says if you ever want to do Lego catalog, I'm all for it. Uh I definitely plan on doing that with him at some time, not this time, only because again, these episodes I record when it's like, oh, I've got an hour, two hours, three hours to spare, it's middle of the night. <clears throat> I don't know that I'm gonna be recording these, so it's kinda of tough to plan. But I think for the next catalog I'll coordinate something with Eric to have him on so we can kind of talk some Lego. Um whether you, I don't, I don't know if you guys like that or not, but I enjoy it. Uh, it's some more toy talk. Uh, it's more geeky talk, but, um, but I do enjoy it. Now this one, I, this catalog is the August, September catalog. I did not mark stuff. So I'm just going to be kind of winging it and kind of going through pages. Kind of like what I did with DC where it was like, I I didn't have a way of marking things. This, I would have had a way of marking things, but again, I didn't know I was going to be recording tonight. And I was like, I don't want to spend a 15, 20 minutes trying to label stuff and then lose that time for recording. So that's, that's why you got me kind of winging it here. So the, the big thing on this one was the Mario uh, sets. So uh, Lego did get the license for doing Nintendo sets. Um, and they're at least starting with Mario and super Mario world. Um, it's, So I'm, I'm torn and I'm mixed with these. Like I'm not looking to really get any of these, but it's like, um, because I don't like the brick head looks of Mario. Like the, the brick heads are like the big clunky looking like big square block type figures, uh, that typically you build them and everything else. This Mario, it's like you, you somewhat build them. You somewhat don't because he does have electronics in him and everything. Uh, so that he can make sound effects and move his eyes and, make noises and all this type of stuff. So uh, as you move him along the board, I did have watched some reviews. It looks like it's, they're kind of fun sets that definitely something that kids would probably enjoy because uh, you just kind of, you, you can play little games of collecting coins and taking out bosses and things like that. Like they do make it very interactive and very game-like and also customizable. You can like really move things around uh, to make the level look the way you want. I just would have liked a regular minifig of Mario and you can build some of the little like Goombas and stuff like that and just build like a level level that looks like a Mario level. Um, maybe you could kind of do that with some of these sets and kind of customize it and everything else. But it really looks like it's mostly designed for you to be building these larger sets that would, that would work with a, um, a brickhead size Mario. So, not a fan of those, so these aren't really sets I'm looking to get. I do think they're cool looking. I do think they're a lot of fun. If I had a kid, I would definitely get it for my kid because I think they would have a lot of fun with it. Um, some of the sets are cooler than others. So you have the, like the starter kit, and then like one of them that I thought was really cool was the Guarded Fortress Expansion set. So you do get a big fortress with that one. You get a Koopa uh, Trooper. Uh, you get a Babam and you get a piranha plant, um, <clears throat> the fortress is really cool and stuff like that. So I think that's a really cool setup, and that one actually would make a really cool display. And the other one that's that I thought was really fun was the Toad's Treasure Hunt expansion set. So if you remember in some of the Mario games, you have, like, Toad's House, and you might have multiple ones of those, and you can go up and pick which one you want to pick. Well, they kind of have that with this. Um, and again, it's kind of a cool set. Cause you build the, these bigger mushroom houses and stuff like that. There's also a Yoshi one. It's Mario's house and Yoshi's expansion set. So you build a little house for Mario and then you get Yoshi and there's like a hammock there. It's kind of a fun set. I do like some of the figures that you build. So like I've seen ones that have like, you build a shy guy, you build a, um, like I said, the bump, bu- bomb and stuff like that. Like I like how you build some of those, but I think you could build them at smaller scale and do the minifig. Um, then they also have Bowser's Castle, which that one looks really cool. Again, I think you could build it at a smaller scale and just use minifigs, but I do like the look of the castle, like if, especially if, with that one. If you wanted a nice display piece for Mario, I would totally go with Bowser's Castle and uh, do that. Now, you don't get Mario with that. You only get, from what I understand, you only get Mario with the starter kit. So they make you buy that starter kit set. Um, but still cool. Now, something that is really cool, and man, I would love to own this, is they have a Nintendo Entertainment System set. And you build a little television that has, uh, Mario on it, like a little side scrolling Mario that from what I can tell, looks like you can actually move him on that screen. Uh, it looks like it has an antenna and channel changes and everything else. And then you also build a Nintendo Entertainment System out of LEGO. Uh, the contr- you build the controller out of LEGO, and you build the Super Mario cartridge out of LEGO. It's really cool looking. Now, I guess you can take that Mario brickhead from the starter kit and put it on top of the TV, and it'll help make sound effects and everything else. I don't really need that. I just really like the set. Now it is $230, which honestly, for all that you're getting, doesn't seem that bad. It is 2,600 pieces, which, you know, price to parts ratio is actually also really good. But, um, but it's still an expensive set. I just love the way it looks like they even got the, uh, audio video plug in things on the side in, you know, where you have red and yellow. Uh, those are even done in Lego where you can, you can see the outlets and stuff like that. If you ever get a chance to look this up on Google, I would highly recommend checking out this set. Like this is a set that if you're a Nintendo fan, even if you're not a Lego fan, I think you would want this set. So, uh, I thought it was very, very cool. Definitely my top pick out of this entire catalog, like as a must have. Um, speaking of must haves, I did get, uh, recently the Pirates of Barracuda Bay. I know I mentioned that in a previous, uh, time I talked about Lego sets. Um, that set is amazing. It's a $200 set. You get well more than, uh, your money's worth out of it. It's huge. Um, lots of fun pieces. It's a lot of fun to build. That's one thing with, with Lego too, is like some sets are more fun to build than others. Like I always have fun building Lego sets, but some of your more Some of your bigger sets, some of your more complex sets sometimes have tedious points in them. And, um, they try to limit that as much as possible, but you do run into points where it's just like, okay, not this part isn't as much fun to build. The Pirates of Barracuda Bay set, there wasn't a part of me at any point that was not having fun building that set. That set was so much fun to build, so much fun to, to put together once you built different pieces um, it was fun to show my wife like she actually thought it was very cool when, when I was showing her the different, you know, at the different stages as you built it. We have the whole thing put together. Um It's an awesome set. It's like I said, it's 200 bucks. So it is expensive, but not as expensive as some other sets, especially for what you're getting, especially the size of it. I have heard a lot of people rave about the set. I've watched reviews on it and everything else. And. Everything everyone's saying about it is absolutely true. It is one of the best LEGO sets that have ever been made. I highly, highly recommend it. Um, I also put, because I had some Goonies sets from LEGO Dimensions, I did put Sloth on the pirate ship. Um, he's climbing one of the, the rope ladder type things. And then I put the, you could build the, um, skeleton organ. So I actually put that on there on one of the ships and, it looks like it was built for that. Look, it looks like it was just already made to go on there. Um, and then there's like a mini model of one eyed Willie's pirate ship and that I put on there as well. It was a lot of fun. So, um, a few more Harry Potter sets that have come out. Um, there's Hogwarts astronomy tower. So I do have the giant, um, Hogwarts castle, which I'm in the middle of building. Um, but then I also have a lot of the sets that were parts of that larger castle. And this astronomy tower is one of those. And that you can then, when you build all those l- larger sets, you can actually attach them to each other to make a larger Hogwarts castle. So I think it's kind of cool. I'll, I'll have the large set that's like a bunch of m- micro minifigs in, that are built for it and everything else. But then I'll have like an even larger castle by putting all these other sets together and piece them together. And like I said, this astronomy t- tower is as part of that. Um, the other set that I thought was cool for Harry Potter was Attack on the Burrow, uh, which is the Weasley home and they have some really cool minifigs. It's a really cool assembly. I've watched some reviews on this where they, you know, part of the house is kind of off kilter and Lego builds it that way perfectly. Um, it looks like a really cool set. It looks like it's really tall. It's a hundred bucks, but it's a, over a thousand pieces. And when you see it, the size of it and everything else, you're like, it's well worth the money. Um, one thing that was cool too that I saw here, and I'm hoping they do more of these, is there's create Iron Man art. It's a Marvel Studios Iron Man where you build like a, it's like a, a portrait almost. Um, if you guys ever seen like perler bead things and everything else, it's kind of done like that, both like little Lego pieces. Um, they're, it's expensive. It's $120, $119.99. So $120, it's over 3000 pieces. So pieces to parts ratio is really good, but it's really good because you're dealing with a lot of little pieces. Um, so they're really, really tiny pieces. You're essentially doing perler beads, but with Lego pieces. But the thing that's really cool is there's three different looks for Iron Man that you can build with this. Um, and so I think that's really cool. I, if I'm not necessarily looking to get Iron Man, but if they do a star Wars one or something like that, I think I would be all over that. Um, so jumping ahead here, they do have the Batmobile from 1989. It's, uh, the UCS set. So I've mentioned before UCS is ultimate collector series. Um, so they do have that where you can build the Batmobile from the 1989 movie. It looks awesome. Uh, and then you get like little minifigs of Batman Joker and Vicky Vale. Uh, they are not to scale for the Batmobile. The Batmobile is much larger uh, f- uh, in comparison to them, but still a very cool set. Speaking of very cool sets, uh, the Haunted House. I think I may have mentioned this before, but this is a, a newer set that's out there. Um, it is designed for ages 18 plus, so it is designed for adults to build. Really cool design, really cool detail on it. Um, it's, again, an expensive set. Lego tends to be expensive. Um, they do have some really cool cheaper small sets and everything else, um, but some of these sets that really just stand out are the, the more expensive ones. But the, that Honda house is really, really cool. Um, one that I wasn't super, not really super excited about, and it, I think it's ridiculously priced and I realized the pieces to parts ratio is perfectly fine for it, but they do have a Mickey mouse and Minnie mouse buildable characters. Um, I don't know how tall these figures are, but you basically build Mickey and Minnie mouse with like a tripod camera and, and uh, some little accessories out of Lego it's $180 it's 1700 pieces. So I'm thinking these figures are pretty large, uh, when you're done building them, I just don't like how they look. So I certainly wouldn't want to spend that kind of money for something that I don't like how the finished product looks. Um, so let's see here jumping ahead. Uh, another thing that, Oh, and they do have the pirates of Barracuda Bay set. which I was talking about. Again, highly recommended. Um, Another set that they have coming out is a Grand Piano, which is $350. Uh, I guess you, it's actually electronic, so you can actually do an app, and the piano will actually play music based off of the app. Um, that's, I don't know, for me with Lego, like, number one, I'm not looking to have a Grand Piano. It's $350. It's 3,600 pieces, so, again, price-to-parts ratio is perfectly fine. But it's just, I don't know a lot of people that would really be spending that kind of money for this particular Lego set. Like it just, I don't know. doesn't appeal to me. I don't, I mean, if you're a big piano buff, I guess maybe, but I don't know. Uh, I, I just don't know a lot of people. If you're someone that's out there is, is very excited about the grand piano Lego set. You know, let me know, uh, like what's the appeal for you? Like, why is there a connection for you? Like if you're a music teacher, I guess, and you're a Lego fan, then I guess it makes perfect sense, but I don't know. Um, not, Ninjago isn't something I normally talk about, but one of the sets looked really cool. It's the Skull Sorcerer's Dungeon. I just think it looks cool. You have like this, this dungeon set up, uh, with this skull head. Now there's a bunch of frivolous things coming off the edges of it and everything else, but like the main body of the, the set looks cool. It reminds me a little bit of a Castle Grey Skull. Uh, jumping ahead, we do have a, in Star Wars, the Death Star Final Duel. I have seen a few reviews on this, um, it's looks like it's really awesome. I'm not necessarily looking to get this set because, um, I have the death star set, which has scenes kind of like this particular scene in it already. Um, so I wouldn't know where to put this thing that I kind of already have a version of uh, It's hundred dollars. It is large. It is a, it is a big set. Um, the price to part ratio is a little bit, not that great. Cause it's 775 pieces, for $100, but some of those parts are larger parts, so it makes sense. Um, It also, like, encloses on itself, so, like, once you put it together, if you need to close it up to fit it into a smaller space, it will actually, like, two sides will actually come in, and the walkway will actually push in, so you can actually fit it in a smaller area if you need it to. Uh, They also have the Bespin Dual, uh, which is for $40, again, priced apart little bit pricey but it's it's star wars and it's a 40th anniversary of empire which is cool but this is the scene of darth vader reaching out to luke as he's hanging over the edge there um so that classic scene um and then they have the ucs uh collector series um a-wing starfighter which i've heard is really awesome i've again watched some really cool reviews about it I like the A-Wing. It's just not one of my favorite Star Wars ships, so it's not one that I would be gravitating towards. Um, I And then on the back of the catalog here, they do have the, the latest ADAT uh, LEGO set for $160. It's the most expensive ADAT set that they've done so far, but it's also the most involved. Uh, it's the one that has uh, a lot of interior stuff to it where past ones didn't. Um, so the design... It, it has been improved and I've heard good things about it. So um I don't have I have an Annette Walker already. I don't have an At-At Walker in Lego. Um because I already have the Ad regular Annette Walker uh as a toy so I just don't see a space for it but I do think it's a, a cool set. Okay guys so uh the uh last thing you just heard was me going through the Lego catalog and that uh i got right to the end of it and then got interrupted so uh put that away for the night and then uh now it's a few days since then even even though it's again been a few seconds for you guys it is uh today is uh october 6th it's actually my birthday uh i have the day off from work i had yesterday off as well and i'll have tomorrow off so i just figured you know do a little bit of recording. Um, this is stuff I love doing, so might as well do a little bit of a recording today and let the dog out right now. Um, but, um yeah, so I figure I'll get the rest of the catalog done today and maybe even get the episode out tonight or tomorrow at the latest. Um, so just keep putting stuff out. Uh, I just put out yesterday, the GI Joe, uh issue seven, the IDW run issue seven, um, out as a video review on the YouTube channel, so check that out if you haven't already. Uh it's definitely a key issue to read, whether you're a Joe fan or not, or whether you like that series or not. Um I would say to pick up issue seven. You don't need to by the way, you don't need to have read anything before issue seven. Um it's perfectly fine to just read issue seven. There's no real background you need to know or anything like that. It's a self-contained story. It's very impactful. It's it's very emotional, um, and it's actually for free. Also, if you were to go onto IDW's web, I think it's on IDW's website, um, but if you look up just GI Joe number seven, IDW, um, you'll probably find it. It's part of uh, they released it for free part of Suicide Prevention Month. Uh, if you go check out my uh, YouTube review of it, there's a link to that um, in the in the information area, and you can just click on there. And the issue is for free because they felt it was a very important to uh, matter to address, and it's it, it is it's something worth checking out. So would highly recommend doing that. Um, I've been reading more comics since the last time you guys heard me, uh, so I have read uh, Three Jokers, uh, number, issue number two, which was fantastic. Um, I have now read Joker War up through issue 99, so uh, I've gotten completely caught up on that. And uh, that's been amazing. Uh, it's absolutely been incredible. Um, I'm on issue four of the X-Men titles, and we'll get into some of that when I'm reading the Marvel stuff or reviewing the Marvel stuff that's coming out or has come out. Um, and then, uh, I'm reading, still reading some star Wars and, and everything else. And then reading, uh, some of the other titles of like GI Joe and transformers and stuff like that, trying to get caught up on everything. Um, I did stop for a little bit on turtles again. I don't know why cause I am really enjoying it, but yeah, I, um, I got right up to City at War. I have not read City at War yet, but I will be reading that very soon. So, uh, and I'm probably going to do a review of Part One, and which is I think Issue 95, and then Part the end, the finality, uh, final issue, which is Issue 100, since it's the milestone one. I'll probably do some video reviews of each of those. Um, but and there's a lot of other things I want to review, like Shredder in Hell. I want to review Issue One of that. Um, I know it's a lot of like stuff I'm lagging behind on and getting caught up in that a lot of other people have already read and have already done reviews on, but I think it um, it's just something I enjoy doing. Like it's one of those things like a uh, buddy rock mentioned recently. Someone was complaining about a podcast and he's like, it's free. <laughs> like, like it's one thing to uh, make suggestions for a podcast. That, that's great. Like I love that when someone says, Hey, would have you ever thought about doing this or Hey, would you ever cover this on the show or, Hey, I loved it when you used to do this. Do you ever think about bringing that back? I love that stuff. It's a whole nother thing when it's someone telling you what you should be doing or, or that what you're doing isn't good. Um, like you don't have to listen to it. It's free. You, uh, it's, uh, you're, if you don't like something, I've listened to podcasts. I didn't care for, and I just went and found a different one. And that's, fine. I didn't reach out to them and tell them that what they're doing isn't any good Um, or how they should be doing it differently. Like that just, I don't know that bugs me because people are not, most people are not making money from doing a podcast or from doing YouTube. Yes. There's a lot of people that are making money from doing YouTube. And I know you Patreon members are paying me, you know, because you like the content, but I hope that it's because you like the content and you want to support it and not so much because you want control over it. Um, That's like kind of like the comics here. It's like you pay money for the comics, but you don't really get, and you get to say whether you like something or not, that's totally fine, but you don't get to have necessarily control over um, if what they're going to do with a story or anything like that. So, um, so yeah, it's just, it's a weird thing because said especially regular podcasts that you make for free and are available it's like just enjoy the content if you don't enjoy it find someone else that you do enjoy um that's what it should be about um and uh so yeah it it was just like i said it's been interesting how vocal people can be uh when it comes to the climate that we're in right now um but i'm hoping that this is a uh, uh, an oasis for you guys. I hope you enjoy listening to this stuff. And like I said, when it comes to me doing reviews, I'm sure I'm going to get flack on YouTube for covering older stuff that p- people have already covered or it's been out for a while and stuff. In my eyes, it means that, Hey, it's been out for a while. You've had a chance to read it and you can then share your thoughts on it too. Um, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily just be what I think about it, but I want people to comment and say what they thought about it also. Um But I have seen comments about um, only one or two on my YouTube reviews where it was like, hey, didn't this come out like a long time ago? And it's like, yeah, it did. Did, did you still like my review of it? Did Like, you didn't have to watch it? Like, <laughs> it is what it is. I'm not making any money off of YouTube right now. I don't have the subscribers and the level to uh of content out there to be making any type of income off of YouTube. I'm doing it because I enjoy doing the video reviews. It's been fun. So, um around the time of this coming out, I will have also a Mega Man video review uh coming out. So, I covered uh Mega Man, I think it's fully charged. We'll be covering it in this uh previous catalog, I believe. Um, but issue one of that, which was a new take on, on Mega Man. So um, getting into uh, the previews catalog here. So I'm going to cover previews. and I'm going to cover uh, the main previews catalog. And then I'm going to cover the Marvel one. So we have uh, from Image, we have the Department of Truth, number one. Um, not a big fan of the art on this. It's very stylized. It's, um, it's kind of rough, like it's intentionally rough and everything. Um, But it is written by James Tinian IV, who I really like his writing. He is actually writing Joker War right now and is doing an amazing job. Um, I've always liked anything I've read by him, uh, which is the only reason I have interest in this. But uh, at the same time, it's, like I said, the art is kind of steering me away from it a bit. It's maybe something other people would like, but just wasn't all that appealing to me. Uh, Then we have Dracula Motherfucker hardcover uh they of course asterisk out the the uc in there so it's not uh, that much in your face but god you gotta love a title that just you know i remember picking up southern bastards just because it was titled southern bastards not even at that time i wasn't even a jason aaron fan i hadn't read a lot by him as of yet um and then i remember there being like uh bitch planet or something like that like that shouldn't be a reason to pick up a title, but it just like, it piques your interest when you see something like that, like sex criminal too. It's like, what is that about? So like yeah, Dracula here, it looks like it's blaxploitation. Um, it just, I don't know. I find that I found it very humorous to see that. Um, then we have, uh, ink blot number one, which this is by Emma Kubert, uh, which I believe is, uh, like the, daughter of Andy or Adam or is it Andy and Adam or, but it's like the granddaughter of Joe Kubert. Um, but it's, it's an ongoing series that follows powerful sources attempting to correct her greatest mistake, the creation of a magical cat that can travel through time, space, and reality. The cat threatens to unravel the fabric of the universe, doesn't care and just won't listen. Sounds like what a cat would do. Uh, the art looks pretty good. I actually think the art looks, um, really well detailed. It looks like it's a lot of fun. Um but I also kinda wonder like would this have been made and, and just like you know Emma Kubert's not only writing it but she's also drawing it, working with uh, someone named Rusty Glad, um, who I'm not familiar with. But I just wonder like, would this have been picked up by image and given a chance with that premise if it was anyone other than Emma Kubert? Like that I do question that. Um, and, and not saying she's not talented. It looks like she is. Like I said, I said the artwork looks really good. Uh, I read the, the couple preview pages. It sounds like it's a fun little story type thing. But I just wonder, like, that premise, it sounds humorous and everything else. But I also wonder, like, would that have been taken seriously if it wasn't Emma Kubert doing it? So uh, then there's a whole bunch of trade paperbacks available th- for Jupiter's Legacy because it's going to be a Netflix series. I did pick up. Uh, Jupiter's Legacy when it was coming out in issues. I think I got all of the whole run um, The I do remember reading the first mini series, which I thought was really good. Uh, I really did enjoy that so uh, I'm looking forward to the Netflix series and seeing uh, what they do um, Let's see Undiscovered Country Issue 8 is listed here Um, I've only still read the first issue of Undiscovered Country, but I'm hearing really great things from other people. I need to read the rest of the issues that I have um, of that, because that would be an easy one to get caught up on. Uh, Let's see here. Stranger Things has a new one. Stranger Things Science Camp, number one. Uh, It seems like this tells the story of Dustin when he gets to uh, camp, and I think this is probably when he meets the girl that he ends up being his girlfriend and stuff like that. I assume, um, it doesn't really talk about it being like during that time period necessarily, but I know that he was at like a a camp and that, uh, it talks about how it ties into the Netflix series. So I would have to imagine that that's what it is. So, uh, very interesting there. Uh, spy Island. Uh, this one only caught my eye because of the cover uh the art looks okay. It's nothing that wows me but dealing with remute triangle, which that always has interested me. Uh I love those mystery type things, even if I don't hundred percent believe in them. Like Bigfoot. I sorry if you do believe in Bigfoot, I don't believe in Bigfoot. Um I believe creatures like that could have existed at one time. I don't think that they exist anymore. Otherwise we would have found them. Like there would have been some type of evidence and you can give me all these like, well, the forest is huge and everything else with modern day technology. You absolutely could find a creature like that. Um, I know that there's, you know, they say, well, and in, in, people go well, in rainforests and stuff like that. We're still finding new, uh, uh, species that we never discovered before. It's like usually of insects and things like that. Usually nothing super huge and certainly not in North America. Like maybe we're still finding new species, but again, I would think that they're like insects, like small things that we haven't seen, not a eight foot creature. Um, I don't think it could be that elusive. Um, but at the same time, I get a kick out of watching Bigfoot stuff. Like I've watched it ever since I was like, a kid, um, when I probably did believe it a bit more, uh, and it was probably more believable in the eighties. Um, nowadays, like I said, for me, not, not so much anymore with modern day technology. Like you could probably find them. Um, but yeah, it was, it's, I still find it fun to watch shows based on Bigfoot. I still find it fun to watch shows based on Loch Ness Monster. And so I, and so I still find it fun to read and watch stuff based on the Bermuda Triangle. Is there something going on there? I don't know, but I, I don't think so. But at the same time, it's definitely this area that's had a lot of mystery around it. Um, I love the cover of this issue. It's an island, and then below the surface, there's like a skull-type structure uh, that makes up the island. Um, I just thought it looked cool. So, and then we have Bill and Ted are doomed, number one of four. Not a big fan of the art on on the cover here. Um, but it doesn't look like that's, uh, who's doing the inside. It's actually Roger Langridge, who I really do like his, his artwork. Um, and it looks like he's did the variant cover and looking at the variant cover. I do like the variant cover quite a bit. Um, but love Bill and Ted, uh, and, uh, good timing for this to come out and everything else. Um, after defeating the evil, evil dictator, Dr. Denom- DeNomulus, uh, in bogus journey 1995 things aren't looking as excellent as they sh- uh, should for either bill and Ted or wild stallions. So it kind of looks like it picks up after bogus journey, uh, and kind of leads it's the pre it does state mention it's the prequel to face the music. So, uh, like I said, love Roger Langridge's art and, uh, the variant cover definitely shows me like artwork that I would like to see, um, the main cover, not so much, uh, <laughs> Then we have um, from Dark Horse, uh, and just to let you know, Bill and Ted was also from Dark Horse, uh, and Spy Island was also from Dark Horse, and Stranger Things was from Dark Horse, so I, I didn't uh, transition from Image to Dark Horse very well. Um, probably because the edge cover coloring was red to red. Normally they change colors when they're changing publishers, but, um, but anyways, uh, we have the Toys of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe hardcover. So this is a uh, this was done by Val Staples and uh, Dan Early, who's known as Pixel Dan. Uh, so Pixel Dan's a longtime toy reviewer. Uh, Val Staples, longtime uh, comic artist and colorist, and you guys, uh, we you know we've had him on the show before, and uh, really good guy. Uh, Pixel Dan, I'd love to get on the show sometime. I need to reach out to him to see if he'd be willing to come on. I know he. Liked us back in the day, uh, and it probably would have been a lot easier to have him on the show back then. Although, I I don't know, he probably would still come on now uh, if I can find a good way to reach out to him and and see if he'd come on. Um, Then, but, anyways, with this book, it's The Toys of He Man Masters Universe. It's 700 uh, pages, it's full color. So, it's $60. Uh, You absolutely can get it cheaper. Uh, If you pre-ordered it through DCB service or Amazon when it first came out, uh, when it was first released, I think now the price is higher. It's closer to the actual retail price uh, on the cover. Um, And I'm willing to bet I know why. Uh, So PowerCon happened and it was a virtual PowerCon and they released this book and they had a special deal where if you get a combo of this book plus a compendium to the character book that came out, a while ago, you could get, uh, that compendium book for just $20. Um, but you had to pay full price for this book, which if nothing against paying the full price for the book, here's where they really ticked me off. So then you pay for shipping, which that's fine. You pay for shipping. So you got me paying full price for the book, got me paying 20 bucks for the compendium, which is actually a good price. Um, it's not as many pages. I think it's like an extra 120 pages or something like that. But it's like, I think it's supposed to correct some things that were in error in the original character book and then add some extra stuff as well. So then you add shipping. Shipping is about $10. Okay. So now I'm up to $80. Uh, so I've, I've had, well, really $90. So I've had $60 for the book. Twenty dollars for the compendium and ten dollars for shipping. I'm up to ninety dollars. Now they also threw in a ten dollar fee, just a fee. That's, and and I'm sure it's something to do with how they're processing it. You know the system that they're doing to process it through. I don't know, but to me that was crap. Like that's taking advantage of of something. Like okay, now you're charging me a hundred dollars for a book that I can tell you right now through DCB service was about, I, I want to say it was 35. So I was able to pay $35 for this book that you're charging now 64, which I realize that's the cover price, but you're charging 60. I can get it for 35. I get it for almost half off. Then you're going to, but then it's like, okay, well you can get this compendium. I'm like, okay, is that make it worth it? And then maybe I can kind of even it out a little bit. Then you made me pay for shipping. Okay. Well, I didn't have to pay for shipping with DCB service because I'm paying a lump sum shipping for everything to come. But, all right, I get it. You're not through that service. You, you, you know, you evidently don't want to give any type of enticing thing for a person by saying, hey, we're going to free shipping in anywhere in the U.S. You know, you could have done that. Um, but now you're going to throw a $10 fee on top of that. And the, and you never really say what the fee is. It's just a $10 fee. Now you come across as greedy bastards. I'm sorry, but you do. You just like, and, uh, my buddy Sam who did order it, he reached out to me and he's just like the uh, one day and he says, you know, I'm, I'm surprised it's only at 40% sold. And I was like, yeah, Sam, the reason it's 40% sold is because it was, you could pre-order this well before they had PowerCon." At that time, you could get it for significantly less than what they were charging at PowerCon. Yes, you didn't get the compendium book, but you also didn't have to pay a $10 bullshit fee. And then you're shipping on top of that. If you ordered through Amazon, you had Amazon Prime, you were going to get shipping for free. If you ordered through DCB Service, you were going to get it as just part of your normal shipment that you always got. So there was no extra shipping costs there. So of course, if people pre-ordered it, not knowing that this was going to be available at PowerCon, they're not going to all of a sudden cancel that order where they're getting this discount on the book. And they're also not, not for a $20 compendium additional book. It's not worth it. It's not worth doing that additional huge amount. I mean, I can go, I can go on to, I could potentially go on to eBay weeks after the book goes out through PowerCon and someone is probably going to list that compendium and they'll probably list, you know, they bought it for 20. They'll probably list it for 30 or 40. So let's say I pay 40, I paid 35 for the, uh, for my book. Then I pay 40 for that book. So I'm up to 75 and let's say I have to pay $10 in shipping roughly say about 10 bucks in shipping. Um, which is about what a lot of people will charge for something like that. So I'm paying $50 for that because of the shipping and then I'm paying 35. So I've, I've paid $85. I've still paid $15 less than what they were charging at Power, for PowerCon. So it doesn't, it doesn't even out. So yeah, I'm not surprised even a little bit that it's only sold 40%. I don't know where it's at right now, but that was a few weeks ago. Um, yeah, not shocking at all. Because you you don't even give a reason for the ten dollar fee. Like I I don't even know if it said anything like processing fee or anything. Like I looked into it because I was like, well, maybe it's worth. No, it's not worth it. Like you're just gonna charge someone. Now I think the book is amazing. I'm looking forward to the book very much. So I think it's it's awesome. I think it's uh, it's something that definitely is worth. Uh, having made, I you know, we've seen a lot of different toy books for different properties, haven't really seen a good one for He Man, so yeah, I'm all for the book being made. And I love the fact that Dark Horse does all these Master of the Universe books, but yeah, not paying that type of price for them. Uh, let's see here, jumping ahead to so Let's see, oh, I love this too from Dark Horse a Hellboy holiday ornament. It's Hellboy with a, a bag of. Uh, he's dressed as Santa Claus. He's standing in a graveyard. He's got a bag full of toys, but it's also got skulls and everything in it. Uh, and he's holding like a goblet that he's drinking from. Found um, it uh, humorous. So, uh, from IDW, we have Goosebumps: Secrets of the Swamp, number one uh, miniseries, one of five. Um, I've I never really got into Goosebumps. It was a generation after me, um, but I love the idea of uh, horror stories, like for geared towards kids. Uh, like because I mean we grew up with stuff like Dark Crystal and Labyrinth and stuff like that, which had like some horror elements to them. Like there was some creepy stuff going on in those things. So, I always loved the idea of Goosebumps. I'm sure it's something I would have devoured if it was around when i was a kid i was just i think i was in my teens possibly when it already came out so just wasn't something that uh, appealed to me um let's see then we have star wars adventures number 1 so i think i mentioned this in a previous previews where it was solicited but then obviously pandemic happened so it got postponed um the main cover artist is francisco francavia so that's awesome um the first issue is called Tales of Villainy. Um, so that'll be interesting. It looks like there's going to be a Kylo Ren story in there. Uh, definitely looks like some of these stories, or most of these stories take place around for this issue, around the time of Last Jedi and, uh, or it does say between the events of Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker. So um, so it's definitely the newer cast. Um, it does look like... Uh, there's an all new tale of Darth Vader in this issue. So that would be interesting to read. Um, I really, really need to get caught up on the star Wars adventures issues, but I've always really liked them. They are geared towards. So, uh, again, my buddy rock asked me about this recently. He was like, so how are they? And I was like, they're definitely geared towards a younger crowd. Um, but they're still fun stories. Like I still enjoy reading them. Um, but some stories are definitely geared towards a younger crowd than, than an all, than really an all ages crowd. Um, if that makes any sense, like some of them are definitely all ages. Like some of them I can read and go, wow, that was a really cool story. It, it just happens to be like all ages styled and everything else. Um, but then there's ones where I'm just like, yeah, this was definitely geared towards like a kid. <laughs> um, but that's fine. Like I, that's it's not all. Star Wars should be written for for me or for you. They sh- need to be geared towards all different ages, all different crowds, and everything else. So, um, but yeah, I, overall, I, I like the Star Wars adventures. Now, if you're looking for something at the level of what Marvel's doing on the main Star Wars titles, you're not going to get that. That's not like again different. It's geared for a different age level, di- geared towards a different, um, different type of reader. Uh, more so than anything. So like, uh, cause I don't necessarily want to say it's, ge- that's always geared towards a younger reader with the adventure stuff because it's just it's geared towards more, maybe a more lighthearted reader. So that's, that, that's how I would probably phrase it. Um, then this was interesting. So coloring books are all the rage. They have, uh, airplanes, a Smithsonian coloring book and dinosaurs, a Smithsonian, uh, coloring book. I probably would have been all over the dinosaurs one as a kid. Like, I, I love dinosaurs. I loved planes too, um, but since it's Smithsonian, I probably it probably it's a lot more historical. I probably wouldn't find as much fun coloring them in. Uh, whereas if it was like airplane battles up in the sky, then that could be fun to color. Or um, I don't know, some like the Blue Angels or something like that. That could be kind of fun to color but dinosaurs are always fun to color like that would just seem like a lot of fun. Uh, then we have, uh, Jim Lee's X-Men artist edition. Oh, I wanted this so bad. It's just, they're just so expensive. Um, I've gotten some of the artist editions in the past and I love them. And you guys know, I love Jim Lee's artwork, especially when he was on X-Men. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the pages just look awesome. Like, maybe this would be something I save up for and, and get at some point. But, yeah, absolutely love this. Uh, it's, it's on my hit list of things that I would love to get sometime in the near future. So uh, Then we have Transformers Galaxies number 11. Uh, and this is dealing with uh, part two of Storm Horizon. It deals with Ultra Magnus. Uh, on the cover, it looks like we have Sound Blaster, possibly. It doesn't look at like sound wave necessarily because I, I don't think because it looks like he's colored a little bit differently, but it might be sound wave. But, um, but yeah, it's dealing with Ultra Magnus. Uh, then we have Transformers Volume Three: All Fall Down, which is the hardcover uh, collected editions. Uh, collects Transformers of the current series: Transformers nineteen through twenty-four and Transformers Galaxy seven through twelve. Um, I love the hardcovers. I I still am having a hard time even going back to read the Transformers series because I'm just not I just wasn't enjoying it. I got up to issue ten or eleven, uh, which puts me not too too far behind, but it just I, I need to get caught up to see if it just gets any better because it was getting to be a chore to read. Um, All right, then we have Transformers vs. Terminator, uh, trade paperback. I still have only read the first issue. I do have issues 2 and 3 to to read. Um, I need to do that. Um, Then we have uh, Batman the Max, the Lost Year Compendium, Arkham Dreams. Um, this is Sam Keith. I think I've mentioned before, I'm just not a Sam Keith fan. Like I, I don't really care for his art style. Like, and he's very stylized and I know people that absolutely adore Sam Keith artwork. It's just not for me. Like, I'm not going to say he's a bad artist at all. Like he's a good artist. Um, you can tell by the stuff he, he draws and everything else. It's just his style is just not a style that appeals to me at all. Like not even a little bit. I, immediately can I identify Sam Keith artwork and be like, no, it's kind of like Mike Allred for me. Like I'm not a Mike Allred fan. I've mentioned that many times on the show. Um, I know people that adore Mike Allred. And, and again, I'm not saying Mike Allred's a bad artist. He's not, he's a good artist. I just don't really care for his art at all. Um, so same thing for Sam Keith with me. Um, but wanted to mention it because again, I know there's fans out there. It's probably something that appeals to them. Uh, Then we have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number 109. Uh, Like I mentioned earlier, I'm getting caught up on that. And then we do have Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Best of Raphael. I think they did a Donatello one recently. It's 100 pages of uh, just featuring uh, uh, stories with Raphael in it. Um, And I believe uh, it says this issue launches a new series of TMNT reprints. So it is reprints. It's not new stuff. It would be cool if it was new stuff that just featured that character, but... Uh, I don't really have any interest in this because I basically have everything in trades already or in the actual issues. If it's anything with the current series, I have in issues already. But uh, if you're someone that hasn't really dipped your toes into TMNT and you're looking for something, and you have a particular turtle that you like, uh, that's definitely something worth uh, checking out there for yourself. Um, then we have G.I. Joe, Real American Hero. Uh, they are soliciting the trades again. Um, I found out recently that some of the early trade paperbacks are really in high demand. They like, they're going for a lot of money. So maybe then reprinting some of these trades, cause they do show, uh, volumes one through 23. So I'm assuming that means they're reprinting them all. Um, will hopefully make it more affordable to get those trades. Um, I just, like I said, I didn't realize how, you know, I guess some of them were out of print and made it very expensive to them. I also found out that G.I. Joe hardcovers, the, ult- the ultimate collection or complete collection, or whatever, which God, I hope that you know we've talked about f- until we're blue in the face, they need to continue that, those collections. But I found out if you have those issues uh, or those hardcovers, especially, I think it's like volume eight and maybe volume three or something like that, but there's a few of them, they're going for a lot of money. Like if you have all eight, you can sell them. I think I saw someone selling them for like $800 something like that, or $500. So maybe it's somewhere in that range. Um, I know it's a big range, but I've seen like them for a lot. And considering that I think I paid like 30 bucks for each one, so I invested like $240 uh, total over the course of getting them. Um, even them selling for 500 means they're selling for twice what... I paid for them. Um, but like I said, I think they're at even selling for like seven, eight hundred dollars. So um either it's a good thing for you to go ahead and sell them if you don't really want to keep them anymore. Uh it seems like now's the time to sell them, or hold on to them because getting rid of them you might have a hard time getting them back again in the future. I know that's happened for me where it's like I sold something, regretted selling it, went to go find it, and it's way too expensive to get now. So um don't make the, don't make that mistake. But as far as the trades, just the trades themselves, um, I know that I have the trades from uh, wherever Volume 8 of the hardcover leaves off. I have the trades from that going on so that I have all the rest of G.I. Joe. But I also know that I gave away all the trades before that. So I didn't really hold on. I had the whole series in trade uh, up through the whole Marvel run. Uh, I never did get the IDW trades. probably should. Um, just to have them, but I was always hoping that the hardcovers were going to eventually get into those, and then those would be collected. But it doesn't seem like they're even going to finish the Marvel run as much as we would all like them to. Uh, Snake Eyes, Dead Game, number three of six. I am not. I am so not looking forward to reading any more of this miniseries. Um, yeah, I saw that he's. They're introducing Snake Eyes' sister, which. I know he had a sister, that's fine, I don't mind him having a sister, but she looks all ninja-forced up, and it just doesn't look good. Um, Chuck is still pulling the you know, the bandwagon. He liked the first issue of, of the Snake Eyes. I just, I, I was able to pick apart every single thing that was just so bad about it, um, and he was just like, no, I, I liked it, I had fun. And when I showed him what they were doing with the sister, he was just like, at first he was like, yeah, that doesn't look good. But then he's just like, but I'll wait to pass judgment until I read it. And I'm just like, but you got to at least admit it looks bad. Like it doesn't look good. Um, but whatever. Speaking of Chuck, this probably would be something of interest to him. It's a kiss zombies trade paperback. Um, so they collect the Kiss zombies one through five issues. So if you're a kiss fan or a zombie fan, probably uh, be good for you there. Uh, then we have, uh, a mini series again, from James Tinian. Uh, and looks like all four issues come out in the same month. Uh, but it's Wind, number one. And uh, it says for fans of Once and Future, which is why, and Isola and Middle West, which is why it caught my eye. Because I'm like, I love Once and Future, I loved Isola, and I loved Middle West. So, um, so it says the award-winning team of James Tinian and Michael D- Dianelis. Uh, sorry if I'm screwing up your name there. Reunite for a new must-read series. Magical heritage is punishable by death in Pipe Town, so Wind keeps his true identity and pointy ears a secret from everyone, even if it means never having a normal life. With his secret threatened, Wind is f- forced to leave his home and embark on a dangerous quest alongside Oakley, his best friend, Thorn, the boy of his, of his dreams, and York, a literal prince putting them at the heart of a royal conspiracy beyond imagination. So, uh, sounds interesting. The art looks fun. Looks like, like it looks overall like an all ages thing, which I would expect from boom. So, um, so yeah, it looks good. James Tynion again, really strong writer. So, uh, we only find also from boom. We only find them when they're dead. Number one. Uh, this is like a, I I've heard about this. It sounded interesting. It's, uh, it's from Al Ewing, uh, writing, and he's been doing a good job overall. Uh, definitely a recognizable name. But he, uh, what they're doing here is it's kind of like they're sca- it's a scavenger team that goes and finds uh, energy sources from de- dead celestial beings. So it's kind of like a picture in the Marvel Universe. If Galactus died, these people would come and collect the uh, cosmic energy off of him. So. And then use it or sell it or whatever. So, um, another one that caught my eye was an unknown kindness of ravens. Um, just the artwork kind of caught my eye, and then when I read what the story was about, it also caught my eye. Um, it says uh, a supernatural m- mystery where not all the witches burned during the Salem witch uh, burned during the Salem witch trials, and the ones that survived did so together protecting the ancient secrets entrusted to them for generations. They call themselves the Ravens. Wilma is the new girl in school, and she plans to go completely unnoticed, except that she bears an eerie resemblance to the Raven member, Waverly, who just went missing. The truth behind Waverly's disappearance will put the entire coven in danger, and Wilma will have to rely on powers she never knew she had to save her new friends. So, like I said, the artwork looked really good, the I, I like the concept behind the story um so just something that caught my eye uh then we have <clears throat> going into we have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles uh black and white hardcover so this collects that mini series but it puts it in black and white uh, a black and white edition which i think is kind of cool uh and uh it says collects the hard to find Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles number one black and white edition along with the never before release Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles two through five black and white editions it collects the complete five issue series so I got the color issues I never got the, the black and white but, um, but yeah thought that was kind of cool then we also have Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Beyond the Grid deluxe edition so this collects uh, I believe the rest of the uh, series that that boom has done with the mighty Morphin power rangers i did read the um ranger slayer issue which i thought was fantastic uh it actually has made me want to read more of the power ranger stuff i heard shattered grid was awesome this picks up after that so it's it's at uh after that series um so it's definitely something that i'm interested in in checking out because like i said i really liked like it was a whole alternate reality where it's like um the rangers basically lose and uh it's it's done really really well i really enjoy it the artwork's really good the storytelling is really good so while i'm not a big fan of the live action show because of the campy cheesiness none of that campy cheesiness is really in the comics so um so yeah i'm really in- enjoying it there's some lighthearted moments of course but uh but nothing as far as like i said over the top can't be cheesiness uh once in future i mentioned earlier volume two of the soft cover uh in soft cover is is out there that collects issues seven through 12 definitely would recommend that um i think i've read up through issue seven um so i i highly highly recommend once in future it's it's a lot of fun to read um, Jim Henson's Dark Crystal Age of Resistance, number 11 of 12, so getting very close to the end of that series. Um, and then we have Jim Henson's The Storyteller Ghosts. This is the collected hardcover edition. Uh, I think I mentioned in previous ones that this seemed interesting to me because, you know, just ghosts are interesting. So um, so that's, even though I kind of jumped off the whole uh, storyteller bandwagon because it just didn't feel like the true storyteller Format that I'm used to. Um, it seemed like they were just slapping the Jim Henson name on there. I'm like, well, it's ghosts, though. Ghosts are always interesting. So um, this cracked me up. So there's so from Aardvark Vanaheim, where they do uh, the Cerebus comics. They've been doing like spoof type covers and spoof type stories using Cerebus. And this one's called uh, Batvark Penis One Shot. So if you remember the Batman damned comic where you got to see Batman's penis, which from what I heard in the collected edition, they kind of cleared that out and removed that. So the only way you can still see it in its original format is if you have the original issue. Um, so they're making fun of that by instead of calling it damned, they're just calling it penis, which is hilarious. I think that's just, uh, it cracked me up so much when I saw that. um, And then let's see here. Marked something on here. Oh, Puppet Master Volume 1, the offering. They're uh, from uh, Action Lab. They are doing uh, a collected edition, which that was really good. It was uh, Sean Gaberine who wrote it, and uh, it was... I thought if you like the Puppet Master, you like the cheesy Puppet Master horror, you got that B-grade horror. Um, I highly recommend that, co- that comic, and they have a trade collected edition now for it. So, um, let's see here. Jumping ahead, we do have uh, How to Speak Astromech with BB-8. Uh, obviously, all-ages style book there, um, but I thought that was kind of a cute thing. Um, and then we have True Believer the rise and fall of Stan Lee hardcover. So you had to know books were just going to start coming out for that. Um, but it goes over the life of Stan Lee. So. Then we have the uh, next volume of uh, in novels for Star Wars. And this is supposed to be the next era. It's Star Wars, the High Republic light of the Jedi hardcover. So this is supposed to start, looking at 200 years before the events of Star Wars The Phantom Menace, so it very much reminds me a lot of the Old Republic stuff, uh, like they're going in that direction when it comes to Star Wars. I'm so glad that they're going to be looking to explore that time period because there's only so much you can do within the Skywalker Saga time period. Like, you could you can do a lot, a lot in there, of course. It's a, it's a large span, but why not visit way before and why not visit way after? Like, that's what They should do um, to really establish stuff. So I'm I'm looking forward to this whole High Republic uh, time period to be explored. Um, Then we have some uh, Golden Books. So they're man, they're doing Golden Books for everything. So you have Miles Morales, Spider Man. uh, You have uh, Super Friends. So you have Batman, Wonder Woman, all that. Then also wanted to mention from Gallery 13, Bernie Wrightson's Frankenstein hardcover. So if you love Bernie Wrightson art, which I can't imagine why you wouldn't, um I imagine that book is just awesome. It's Mary Shelley's original story, uh, but with Bernie Wrightson artwork. That's gotta be impressive. So um and then I actually saw, I think this is coming out this week, Batman the Animated series, the Phantom City Creative Collection. So this is supposed to be like this ultimate Collected, uh collector's edition of the Batman animated series, like goes way in depth into the series and everything else. Um, big fan, obviously that I am. Like this is something that I would love to have in my collection. So, um, then we have some Star Wars uh, activity books and model, make your own uh, Annette Walkers, make your own uh, Millennium Falcon, like all, like these little model kit type things. Um, then we have the, uh, Star Wars, the Force Awakens storybook hardcover. So more of a, uh, and then they have one for The Last Jedi as well. I'm sure they'll have one for The Rise of Skywalker, but it's more of like, again, more geared towards kids. So it's just, it's a storybook. You know that if I had kids, I'd be getting these to read them Star Wars every night. So, um, then we have Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back screen comics. So this is where they take images of from the actual movie and then add word balloons to it. That's essentially what they're doing here. Um, so it, you know, again, good for, for young kids and everything else. So, um, then we have dark, uh, from Titan comics, Dr. Who, time Lord, victorious, number one of 12 or one of 12, one of two, uh, I did pick up the first issue uh, because it has a lot of the different doctors in it, so that seemed interesting. The art looked really good. It is a thicker issue for sure; it's forty-eight pages. Um, I have not had a chance to sit down read yet, but I'm very interested in that. Then we have Marvel Comics: The First Eighty Years, um, which you know I know they're still going, but it just cracks me up. So it's like the first eighty years, as if there's going to be a second eighty years volume coming out. Um, just seemed humorous to me. Um, but it looks like it's, it's one of those like cool, like quick read type on pages and everything else. A lot of cool articles and everything. So, um, then we have Robotech archives, the masters volume one. I believe this was resolicited because it got canceled originally. Um, but glad to see that coming out. Then we have the Mandalorian, the art and imagery. So this is another, it's volume two. Um, they did do a volume one before where it was just kind of behind the scenes stuff it seems like this is going to focus on the artwork and like concept art and everything else so that was very appealing to me um then we have the making of aliens uh writers jw rinsler who if you heard me on comic geek speak we talked about the star wars uh comic that came out from dark horse and it was written by jw rinsler who's known for doing these making of books he did the making of star wars and I believe it was making of Indiana Jones. This one he's done, he's doing the making of aliens. Um, so, uh, those books are fantastic, well worth checking out. So, I'm um, gonna jump ahead and we have uh, from Uden Entertainment how to make Capcom fighting characters. So it actually shows you how to draw some of these Capcom characters like Ryu and and everything. So I thought that was kind of cool, especially if you're into art. I would highly recommend that as as a book because it literally does look like they... Show you how to draw like these big muscle-bound characters and uh, different fighting characters and everything like that. If that's something that appeals to you, I know when I was a kid I used to get a ton of these how to draw type books and everything else, and always loved them. Uh, so this would have been something I would have been all over. I still have at least one of them from when I was a kid, which was how to draw Star Wars characters, and it shows me how to draw Jabba the Hutt and C3PO and R2D2 and so, and like really detailed how to draw them. So. Um, but I remember having that and trying to draw. i not doing a very good job, and I don't know if I can do a good job today or not, but um, I absolutely loved having those, those books. Uh, going into some of the toys here, before going into Marvel, we have Star Wars Rebel Sabine Wren. Uh, it's one-six scale bust. I find this one interesting because you can have her with the helmet on or you can have her without the helmet. Like There's a lot of interchangeable pieces. You can have the, uh, the Black Saber. Uh, fully ignited in her hand, or you can have just the hilt. Um, you can put her helmet under her arm, or you can have her holding her gun. Um, just found it, found it kind of cool. Then we have, uh, from Gentle Giant, Star Wars Premier Collection, The Mandalorian MK3. So this is when he has his Beskar steel armor. $175, though. It's very, very expensive. Um, thought this one was kind of funny and cute. Uh, Marvel animated style, Dr. Doom statue for 50 bucks. They, um, these are basically based off of Scotty Young's art. They they always say like it's the animated style. Um, but it, when you look at them, it's Scotty Young's artwork. That's what they based off of. I do have the, uh, Thanos one. That's like this. Um, they're good quality statues, got some nice heft to them. They, they come on a base, um, they look a lot of fun. This Dr. Doom one is very amusing to me. It's definitely something that um, would make me think about getting it at some point in the future. So Then uh, we have uh, Kingpin, the vintage Kingpin variant 6-inch figure. Uh, so, And then they did a Mysterio one like this. And these are based off of more like what they look like in the cartoon. Um, so that 90s style look. Uh, So I I think those are really, really cool. Uh, Then we have a whole bunch of Star Wars goodness, which is some Black Series stuff. You have the carbonized Boba Fett, which I know my buddy John, uh, our co-host, he uh, just recently got this as a surprise. uh, I assume from his family or or from somebody, but uh, he... He got this figure. I have this figure also. The carbonized figures look so awesome. They're so sharp. They got a sheen to them and everything. They just work really, really well. They really stand out. Um, so I have the Boba Fett one in my glass case that I will be showing to Patreon members in the near future when it comes to uh, doing another video update. I also have the carbonized Stormtrooper figure, which basically makes them look all silver. Uh, and I have that in the, the case as well. So. Um, there is a Black Series Luke Skywalker with Yoda deluxe figure, so Yoda is actually a bit smaller now, more to scale to what he would be like uh, to the six-inch figures. And then you have Star Wars, The Mandalorian, the child animatronic figure. I've seen some people post some videos of this. It's ridiculously amazing how cute and adorable it moves. Um, I did recently get from my coworkers one that makes different noises and stuff. Uh, so it makes like ten different uh, child noises. So... Uh, and it's a lot of fun to have, so that was really cool. Uh, then we have, uh, I love this, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Q-Fig Diorama Figures. Um, they're they're like that, if you've ever seen the Q-Figs, which I do have some of them, they're really cool. They're like these little animated style type, they look like, look like they come right out of a cartoon or something like that, but they're like squatty, um, they're not like fat squatty, they're just kind of like... Shorter versions, like scaled down versions, but they look very cartoony. These figures look like they're a lot of fun. So uh, then you have Transformers reaction figures, which reaction figures for me, like, yes, they're nostalgic, like, they because they kind of remind you of like the five points of articulation figures you got as kids, but because there's so many more awesome like sculpted stuff that have multiple points of articulation the reaction figures just really don't do much for me i think they're cool i think they're fun um they're just not for me um but like i love the fact that they've done transformers ones like i think that's kind of cool then we also have thundercats ultimate uh wave three where they have jaga kichitara uh, slithe and uh captain cracker which cracks me up uh I know Captain Gregor, but I'm not as familiar with him because i just haven't watched, uh, Thundercats cartoon recently. It's been a while since I've watched some of those. Uh, there's a whole bunch of Funko, new Funko pops coming out. There's ones for corpse bride. There's Chucky. There's a whole back to the future line, which one of them is doc Brown that comes with the clock tower and has lightning coming off of it. That one I, I find very appealing cause I would love to have that clock tower, uh, sitting next to some of my back to the future stuff. Um, and let's see, then there's a bunch of Godzilla stuff, which I love that too. Um, you know, if you like Godzilla, you should have a Godzilla of some type in your collection. Um, and then, let's see, then there's some 18th scale Predator figures, and, uh, as well as Alien figures, and those are pretty cool. I have uh, an alien figure. I definitely would like to get a predator figure that just has some good scale to it just to have in my collection there uh, as representation of some other stuff that I love. So, And then uh, let's see here. Uh, there are some Bushi, uh, Bishuji Bushijo statues. <laughs> G.I. Joe. Uh, there's a Scarlet one and there's a Baroness one. The Baroness one's on um, blue with some black and then the Scarlet one is her in blue with silver and, and white. Um, these are like the anime style looking figures. They're also very expensive. Um, but I think they look kind of cool. Not necessarily something I, I would want to have in my collection, but I uh, still think it's kind of cool. Um, and then If you haven't had enough with Cobra Kai, they do have the Karate Kid 1,000-piece puzzle and the Karate Kid Pinbook Volume 2 set. So you can get some pins from Karate Kid, and then you can also put a 1,000-piece puzzle together, which looks like one of the lamest puzzles I've ever seen. It's Daniel doing the crane uh, in front of Johnny, and they're in front of a bonsai tree with a sunset behind it. it. It looks bad. Like, I would never get that as a puzzle to ever put together. (laughs) Moving on into Marvel. Uh, X of Swords is going on with Marvel. Uh, Or, as Kamakisu pointed out, it might be Hickman's play on using X. Because remember, he did uh, Powers of X, but it was really Powers of Ten, So it was playing on the letter X being used for something else. This might actually be Cross of Swords. Um, instead of X of Swords, so uh, which kind of makes a lot of sense. So, um, but this is a mini series event that's going through all of the X Men titles, like literally all of them. So, you have Chapter One starting off with X of Swords Creations Number One, which already came out, and then it just goes. I think goes into X Factor after that, and it's going to go into X Men Marauders. Uh, X Force, like every X Men title that's out there, uh, is going to have this in there. Now, the one thing that's interesting is I am currently reading and getting caught up on some of the X Men titles that I had. Knowing that this was coming out, there is a lot of sword references in those early issues. It was like they've been setting this up for quite a, from the very beginning, which makes perfect sense because Hickman does that. He'll he'll set things in motion that he's gonna pay, that's gonna pay off later. Um, I don't, at least these early issues that I'm reading, I don't know if it would have been that noticeable someone reading it that they, without knowing that this was coming up. So it's kind of has worked in my favor to know that this is already out. And then going back and reading those issues, because it's like, I'm noticing all these sword references everywhere. So, uh, and like very literally, like every title has had some type of sword reference, either quickly mentioned or being part of the story, some main part of the story somewhere. So um, I find it really, really cool and interesting that he's doing that. Uh, Iron Man number one. uh, If you're looking for a new launch, I did get the first issue of this because it was the timeless variant cover. So I was like, okay, I really like that cover. Uh, I'll read this first issue and kind of see what it's like. I have not had a chance to read it yet. Uh, Coming out this week, is Amazing Spider-Man number 49, which is actually Spider-Man number 850, if you're going by Legacy. So this is the return of the Green Goblin, which is exciting. I I know he always returns, but uh, I found it exciting because I love the Green Goblin. He is my favorite villain on the Marvel side of things. So, um, Then we have Rise of Ultraman number one. Which is done by Kyle Higgins, who's a very good writer, Matt Groom, who I don't know very well, uh, and then artist is Francisco Mana with Michael Cho. I know Michael Cho. Um, if you're into Ultraman, I never really got big into Ultraman. I loved Godzilla and stuff like that, so I probably should have liked Ultraman. Just never been a big thing for me, but uh, very interesting that Marvel got a hold of that. Uh, as a property for them to do comics of. I hope it's successful for them. Uh, Then we have Black Widow, number one. Uh, Again, Black Widow, lover as a character. Never see her series last very long. This is a new series, new launch. If you've been listening to my previews for any length of time, you've heard me mention Black Widow, number ones, multiple times. Um, We'll see if this one has any lasting power. There is a cover by J. Scott Campbell, which I think is awesome. Uh, then we have Empire, Empire number six. Um, so wrapping it all up, everything has come out now for Empire. Um, they've had all the tie-ins and everything else. It's really interesting, too, because when Empire, the Road to Empire came out, it showed all the different titles that were going to be tied into it. There was a checklist at the back of the issue. And then when the pandemic happened, the other issues came out. And if you look at that checklist it's like night and day. It's like half as many titles are coming out. So Marvel definitely was planning on a lot more coming out, but then realized, well, maybe we really don't need all these tie-ins because you know, they're just going to cost us more money than people might not buy them. Uh, there's two epilogue issues. There's empire fallout, fantastic four, number one empire aftermath Avengers, number one. And then there's Immortal She-Hulk number one, which is also an aftermath of the events of empire. Um, And that's going to be written by Al Ewing, who I mentioned earlier in the episode. Like, he's currently writing Immortal Hulk and doing an amazing job with that, so now he's going to be writing Immortal She-Hulk as well. Uh, Al Ewing is also the one that wrote uh, Empire Aftermath Avengers number one. So... Then we get uh, from, if you remember from, I think it was the last previous episode, I mentioned like certain titles. I wasn't sure if they were going to still be coming out uh, because it was all pre-pandemic stuff and everything else. Well, some of these are coming out, some of the miniseries. So we have Shang-Chi number one, Juggernaut number one. I heard from someone that Juggernaut number one was actually really good. I just, it's just not a, I'm it's not not a fan of the character, so I'm probably, I still have no interest in reading that. Um, Shang-Chi, I heard, is... Good, it's got some good martial arts to it and everything else, but there's like also some espionage in there, which is not a bad thing at all. Um, Marvel Zombies Resurrection number one is, of course, coming out because of Deceased being so successful. Um, then we have Web of Venom Wraith number one, love the Wraith character. Uh, it's written by Donny Cates. He, Wraith was a character that came out during Annihilation Conquest, I believe it was. It was just this brand new character that came out then, so, and they're still using him. Um, He's a very interesting character. I don't know how he ties into the whole Null stuff, Um, but uh, it's something I've been only tipping my feet in here and there when it comes to like Spider Man and Venom stuff. I don't really fully know what the deal with Null completely is, other than he's like this entity for the symbiotes. That's all I really know. Then we have uh, Fantastic Four number 24, and they're doing the timeless covers for this one. They did all four Fantastic Four members as individual covers for this one issue. Instead of doing, like, okay, one will come out with 24, one will come out with 25, one will come out with 26. No. It's like, issue 24, you have to buy it four times if you want all four characters. Like, it was its ridiculous. But it, it is what it is, I guess. So... Uh, X Men Marvel's Snapshot Number One. Uh, I've heard that it's. I heard this is focused on Cyclops, which I'm excited about. Um, I have not read it yet, but I've heard that uh, it's a really, really good Cyclops story. So I'm excited about that. Then we have Star Wars Number Six, Darth Vader Number Five, um, Doctor Aphra Number Four, and Bounty Hunters Number Five. These are all titles that I need to get caught up on. Uh, I, I'm trying to read and get caught up on Dr. Afra of the previous series so that I can then read Ascendant and then start reading all these other Star Wars ones. I should get caught up on those soon. Probably. And then hopefully maybe by that, the next previews episode, or probably the one after that, definitely before the end of the year, I'll be caught up on those. So uh, Infinity Crusade Omnibus. I found this amusing because I feel like you can find the issues in this in like dollar bins with no problem. Like it's a lot of issues, but um, Infinity Crusade was never a big one. I do have the trade paperback that collects the story, Um, but you know you had Infinity Crusade, which uh, or Infinity Gauntlet, which was awesome, and then you had Infinity War, which was okay, and Infinity Crusade. I feel like kind of lost a lot of people. So if you're a big Moon Knight fan, they have an omnibus coming out for him. Uh, which collects a lot of Moon Knight, like a lot. Uh, so it, it's his first appearances and appearances in some other titles and then his actual ongoing, which was about 20 issues in 1980. Um, I don't. I, it probably went beyond 20 issues, but the first 20 issues are here. Um, this looks like it's just collecting a ton of Moon Knight. So if you are a Moon Knight fan, you would be in all your glory with that. A um, couple reprints that I, I think are interesting. Uh, one is they've been doing this awesome job with Marvel Select titles. This is Spider Man's Craven's Last Hunt. It's a nice hardcover collection, collected edition of uh, one of the best Spider Man stories ever. Uh, and so I think that's cool that they're doing that with these Marvel Select editions. And I really do think that they're pulling that from um, what I've seen over in the UK, where they have, you can get all these amazing stories in hardcover collections and the spine you put them all together and the spine makes this mural image now they're not doing the mural image with these Marvel select ones but it seems like they're borrowing that idea of making these hardcover affordable collected editions um, of different of uh, different known well-known stories so this one's you know it's 25 dollars. definitely can get it cheaper through DCB service or through uh, amazon or something like that but it collects Web of Spider-Man, 31 through 32. Amazing Spider-Man, 293, 294. Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, 131, 132. So it's the whole Craven's Last Hunt story. So six issues and a hardcover, um, nicely put together. Very cool. Then we have X-Men. This is the other new printing, X-Men by Chris Claremont and Jim Lee. Omnibus Volume 1. I was super excited about this because this has not been in print for a while. And to find it online, you're going to pay Two two fifty for it at least. Um, so the fact that they are coming out with a new printing of it, I'm very excited. So I can continue my omnibus collections. So, um, and that uh, the only last thing I wanted to mention was Hellstorm: Prince of Lies trade paperback. This collects issues one through eleven of the run, and this was right before. Um, garth ennis took it over so garth ennis picked it up i think with issue 12 and then ran this series through the rest of it which i think ended at issue 20 something um, i had this entire run i really enjoyed it i thought it was well done i loved what ennis did with it but i loved what was done beforehand um, if you like hellstrom it's definitely uh, a different take and it's a more gritty take on the character well worth checking out so that is everything uh, for this episode. I will be back of course, as soon as I can with doing other uh, previous catalogs to get us caught up. I definitely plan on getting at least another previews catalog done in this month of October. Uh, so if I get at least two done every month, if not more uh, we'll get caught up before the end of the year. Um, appreciate everyone's support again. Uh, for those that backed the Kickstarter, we are about midway through the issue. Right now, which puts us right on schedule, right on time for everything. Uh, With this being my birthday right now, uh, as of me recording this, uh, it's the best birthday present I could have gotten this year. Uh, It really was to have a dream like this come true. And all thanks to um, many of you listening. uh, I really cannot thank you enough. So with that, we'll go ahead and close the episode by saying the force will be with you because knowing us is half the battle. Take care, everyone.